Hi, everyone, and welcome to Completely Beatles. My name is David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby. And we're both from the Sneaky Dragon podcast. I know we mention that every time, but we, we, we're contractually obligated to do that. By ourselves. And welcome to our final episode of Completely Beatles. This will yeah. be the very last one that we do. Speaking of contracts, how much are we charging people for these episodes again? We are charging them absolutely nothing. This is a terrible business plan. <laughs> I wish you'd discussed this with me with episode one. I'm sorry. After this one, I can't do any more. There you go. Luckily, it's our last one. Ah. We've taken a choice out of your hands. Oh, uh, i got to talk to my agent about this, but fair enough. Hi, everybody, and welcome. Welcome, as Dave says, this is our final episode. This is the last episode. Maybe you've been joined us the whole way. Maybe you've listened to all of them on a trip to Singapore on the on an airline or Australia. Some very, very long flight. That would be, that would be, I'd feel sorry for you if that's what you did, <laughs> because that's a lot of listening. A lot of listening to the same voices over and over again for a long time That'd right be, we have, that would be hard to do but uh this is gonna be the first of many thank yous thank you for uh that's why i go to sleep what's so that? that i don't have to hear my own voice oh that's, i thought i yeah. thought you were saying that you sleep through most no, of these uh, podcasts most of <laughs> dave can only give all these beetle facts yeah. and he goes into a deep trance that's true there's no way any human being would know this much stuff but he hypnotizes mm-hmm. himself and this is what happens i sleep beetle so, uh, as, as we say, we've gone through all of the albums. Yes. We've gone through all of the singles. We've yes. now gone through all of the movies. Yes. What is there left to do, sir? Why are we here today? I think this is kind of our cleanup episode. We're just going to maybe talk about things that we've left out of other, uh, shows, things that we forgot to mention, or, and answer some questions that listeners had, which was, we had a number of people who are kind enough to send in questions. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. We even had a listener send in, uh, a little bit of audio, uh, Telling us how much you enjoyed the show, and we'll listen to that in a little bit. Okay, no spoilers, but he did enjoy the show. I, well, we wouldn't play it if it was a, a, a long diatribe against completely. I Beatles. think that would be interesting <laughs> myself, but okay. those of you that were thinking of planning a long diatribe, I'm sorry. <laughs> that ship, she has sailed. <laughs> she has sailed. Uh, Apparently, Dave does not want to play We will it. be keeping the message boards open oh, you know, after, after we've done this, <laughs> so you're still welcome to contact us and what have you. We're going to yeah. stay in touch, but this, uh, as far as we know, is our final episode. Yes. Although... Perhaps in 20 years, we'll come back with an anthology episode. Oh, okay. Just to keep in the timeline. Sure. So, you know, there's going to be a long, has to be a long gap between the final Beatles albums and then us doing anthology. Okay. That only makes sense. I don't know what kind of technology we'll be using. Maybe telepathy by that point. <laughs> we'll see whatever the kids are uh, sure. up to sure. at that, uh, at that stage. So, uh, what are we starting off with, sir? Normally we start off with context, but the context is this is our last episode. This is our last episode. It's, it's finally over. Right. Um, well, I just thought we'd go right into the questions then. That seemed to be best. Okay. And if we want to wind around a little bit around those, that's, sure, we'll, that's okay, we'll, too. Sure, we'll wind around. I've got uh, I got some questions for you by the end, but okay. let's, go, let's start off with okay. some of our uh, listener questions. I have some questions for you as well. So our first question is, uh, this is in no particular order. I just grabbed them where I could find right. them. Right, and these aren't our favorites. We're not ranking We're not them. Ranking so if you go like, <laughs> why am I in the middle? It's it's just the way it is. It's not alphabetical. It's just, there we go. It's where you belonged. Um, <laughs> so the first question is, uh, John C. I hope I'm saying your name right. C-E-A. So it could be Sia. C. Okay. The Shay? important thing is you've said it at least wrong in four different ways to, to whatever the <laughs> right one is. to talk about uh, Free as a Bird and Real Love. So you know the singles, right? Those are the I singles do. that came out as part of the kind of whole anthology package. So this yep. is a sneaky way to get us to talk a little bit about anthology, but since it's almost the Beatles, yeah, we can why, talk why about aren't it. we talking about anthology? Let me just ask you that. Throw that to you. Why, why just the albums themselves? <clears throat> well, because I think in the description of our show itself, it says, we're going to go through the Beatles albums, album by album, track by track. Mm-hmm. And anthology aren't albums or compilations or collections of, you know, odds and ends and bits and pieces of studio 
you know, maybe uh, alternate takes or things that were unreleased at the time. And so to me, that falls outside of the purview of our show. Okay. Um, and the fact is, is that I just don't have the time to, to, dev- to vote uh, for this show. We just don't have the time to go into all three albums of anthology because that's a lot that's that's yeah. six cds worth of material for us to discuss w- maybe one day we'll come back to it you know maybe keep us in your subscription list on the off chance that we come back to it mm-hmm. i have nothing against those albums i quite like them but also we kind of did talk a little bit about a lot of the songs in there we talked about alternative takes of i'm really sleeping we talked about like the obla obla da alternate alternate track so they have been peppered through the through we the have series. we talked about what's the new mary jane we talked about um, not guilty and a lot of the stuff we discussed the demo tracks, the Kinfons demos. So a lot of the things we've discussed, we've also had people asking us to talk about solo albums mm-hmm. and talk about solo tracks that were written during the time of the Beatles and for us to do, to talk about those as well, to do a roundup on those. Once again, to me, those fall outside of right. our show's mission statement, which was to do the albums, which to me stretches up from, you know, goes from, Let's just talk about it in chronological release order. It goes from "Please Please Me" to "Abbey Road." That right. is, those are the albums as they as they were released. Now those are now those are yet, and I've made this uh, comment. I should on, say "Let It Be." I guess would be the last one. Sure, you know, I've made I've made this comment online too. If you are mourning uh, this show and go like, "Oh, I want to hear Dave talk about uh, Ringo's solo albums," here's <laughs> this. This is not an impossible task. Let me tell you how you do it. You have a podcast, or recommend to a friend of yours who has a podcast, or another podcast you like, to have Dave on the show. They have Dave as a guest, and I'll tell you, Dave will talk the Beatles to death. So don't worry about it. If you yeah. want to hear Dave talk about more things, more more obscure things, get someone to invite him mm-hmm. onto the show. He's very reachable at the Sneaky Dragon uh, website, and he will probably come on your show. Am I incorrect about that? Oh no, I'd love to. I would love to go. Boom! On so there, that's how you do it. Like, oh, I want more Dave. You can have it. Just you can have him at your house. There you go. There you go. Well, we all right. But now, uh, free as a bird. Well, let's go. Let's go one at a time then, because they're not the same song. Sure, sure. Uh, free as a bird. What's uh, what? My feelings first, or your feelings you, first? You talk about it first. Uh, it feels like someone's in the dentist chair, just like singing a song, and it doesn't feel finished. Yeah. It feels like. I got an idea for a song, and then you put the gas mask on, and then you sort of sing it a little bit, and you're like, "That's fine, yeah, it's nice," and uh, and we're you know, it has that element. It it has it it's for me. There's the biggest problem with it for me is that it's not really the Beatles. I know that Paul and George and Ringo play on the track, but it's not them interacting in the studio as the Beatles did and working together and coming together and you know, kind of hammering out a song together which is when the Beatles were at their best, you know, when you had all of them contributing together. In this case, you know, John is the missing member, and, and Paul Paul himself said in interviews that because it was so painful in a way and so overwhelming to be doing the songs with John's voice there, as they would often pretend that he had just gone to lunch, mm-hmm. or he just stepped out. But by pretending that, you're also pretending that you're working without him there to help, and him contributing to his own music, you know. And so you have him, his voice, and his piano. Those are inseparable because that's what the demo consisted of, was John on his piano playing the song. And so you couldn't separate those into two tracks and then take out some of the piano. So you're kind of stuck with his arrangement in a way. Even more with Real Love. Free as a Bird had a little bit more room in it for... for it wasn't completely finished. So Paul contributed some lyrics to it. But... Uh, and the other problem, they asked they asked George Martin if he was willing to do it. Well, let's just talk about a little bit about the genesis of it. Let's do some context. Okay. 
Because yeah, they were going. They were talking. You know, I mean, anthology was probably ten years in the planning. Like it was a long time. There's some people listening to this now just to put their lighters on going context. They're waving them over their heads. That's right. They were yelling before, like people yell, you know, uh, for Free Bird at concerts. Yeah, yelling context. 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 (laughs) Um, So as which is as is usual with Apple Records, things move very slowly because you know it's the Beatles and everything the Beatles did, even if it was spur of the moment, was incredibly thought out and lucky. And, you know, they just caught chance in such a way. So when you want to, like, duplicate what the Beatles did, you have to be very careful and work at a kind of a snail's pace to slowly get something to be perfect. You know, whether it's, you know, um, Klaus Furman's wonderful covers for Anthology, which all link together into one kind of large picture that shows the history of the Beatles graphically. You know, everything's well, everything's so thought out, you know. And uh, right down to the fact that they, you know, they were the three of them, uh, Paul, George, and Ringo were planning to record together some incidental music for it. So they were just going to record some sort of newish track and have that kind of as part of the package. Then it was decided, uh, as, as probably, uh, the redoubtable Neil Aspinall's idea. And he suggested, why don't we see if Yoko has some demos of John that haven't been released yet that we can maybe work with and make into something new and special. And so he and George approached Yoko. And asked her if she had any, and she said, I've got some, I'll, you know, listen to what we have. Some had been released already, and some, you know, so, um, like on Milk and Honey, for instance. And so, but she gave them, uh, she gave them, well, what happened is Paul came to, uh, to induct John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And so when, when he was there, he met with Yoko, and she personally gave him the cassette tape of John's demos. And so, uh, which was probably also like an overwhelming moment for, yeah. for Paul to get this. And so then, uh, the tape contained four songs. It had Free as a Bird, obviously. It had Real Love. Uh, it had Grow Old With Me, uh, which had appeared on, uh, the, like I said, appeared on the Milk and Honey one. And then it had a song called Now and Then, which actually the Beatles worked on as a possible third single to accompany the third anthology release. But it was very incomplete. And George was very uncomfortable uh, having to do too much more work on it without John being there to approve it. And so he kind of put the brakes on it. And also it had even more, they all had like a terrible hum to them because he's just recording on a cassette machine in a, an apartment. But it had the worst noise. And it was in that time, you know, it was still the um, kind of noise removal yeah. thing was, you know, digital noise removal was just kind of starting out. It was still pretty primitive. And so they, it was really hard to get all the noise off off of it and so they just kind of gave up on that one so that would have accompanied the third if they hadn't had to to call it quits and so um so uh they and they'd asked george martin to produce it but george was going through a hearing loss uh like really going through it like and so he just felt he wasn't up to it because it wasn't so much a production job as it was a, a technical you know it wasn't so much like an arrangement or bringing like an artistic element of production, which I think George would agree with anyone who said he wasn't really the technical person. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about the technical ad- ad- developments of the Beatles, we're talking about people like Ken Townsend and Jeff Emmerich and people like that who brought their engineering skills and electronical knowledge and, you know, made all these technical advances. That wasn't George. George brought this kind of feel and, and arrangements and yeah. stuff to the Beatles. And so I think he didn't feel, feel like it was his, you know, his kind of department uh, to be, you know, to be, because it was a lot of technical work having to take these tapes and digitally wash them, wash all this noise out of them, and then try and find a way to, 
to make a, a click track that could keep that could keep time with John's kind of wobbly time because when you're playing a piano for a demo you're not thinking about time yeah. you know you're just kind of playing by feel and so you might speed up you might slow down so now you need a way to pace it so that Ringo can also play his drums sped up and slowed down along with John you know and so there's a lot of technical parts of it that actually took a long time for them to do and so uh, what they did ended up doing was hiring Jeff Lynn who is well known for ELO yeah. played in The Move the great 60s band The Move and he uh, and he had worked with George on Cloud Nine, and so George kind of and in the Traveling Wilburys as well, and so George kind of recommended him as you know well, if George doesn't if George Martin doesn't want to do it then Jeff would probably be a good choice because he's you know he's got technical knowledge, is kind of our contemporary and knows sixties sound and kind of ha- and ELO I think we'd all agree is kind of a Beatley sounding mm-hmm. band so yeah. he could bring that kind of Beatle sound to it, the ELO Beatle sound. Which I think is when you listen to them, <laughs> you're hearing more ELO Beatles sound than you're hearing Beatles sound, if you know what I mean. Okay, I get you. Like, yeah. there's a certain sound to it, and you're kind of like, mm, this sounds more like, you know, Evil Woman. Or I can't remember what, you know, whatever song. I Turned to Stone. Yeah, Turned to Stone, uh, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah. Mr. Blue Sky. It, that has that kind of sound to it, you know, which isn't terrible. I like ELO, yeah. but, yeah. but it's, not, it's not a Beatles sound. Like, George would have had a different sound to it, I think. And what would have been interesting with George doing it would have been the arrangements would have been interesting, too, because he. His, you know, his his uh, scores, you know, his orchestrations for the Beatles were always so sympathetic and interesting. And so, you know, I've always found the ones that other people did not to be quite as as great. Uh, and so, yeah, so they, they kind of re- went to Paul's studio in Sussex, his home studio, and this kind of hammered out the song. And, yeah. And your, and your feelings on the song personally. Like, I know everything Beatles is great. Yeah. To you. Okay, <laughs> to you, so yeah. every the best, uh, the worst Beatles is still better than the best. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right, that's fine. But you, uh, so you enjoy the song? I. It's okay. It's like a kind of a, it's like a nostalgic. It's thing. a nostalgic. Thing. It feels like someone doing the Beatles. Yeah. That seemed like the main yeah. the main thing of the of the song was you 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 wouldn't know where the song was going and those songs if you listen to the first thirty seconds well you know how it's going to be for the rest of the ride there's no you know no change ups. Well, that, that's exactly right. That's what I was saying. That's, you know, I was kind of saying when, um, you know, John isn't there for them to work with. Yeah. And for, you know, there to be a back and forth between you. You gotta him and be Paul. too respectful, unfortunately, yeah. of, of, you know, your friend who's passed away. So you can't change it. That's whereas right. maybe you should change it and well, yeah, fix it and make it a little better. And yeah. You can't have that thing where, like, help, where Paul adds that kind of counter melody or, yeah. or getting better where John adds the kind of sour. Couldn't get, couldn't get much worse. That's right. So you have this kind of back and forth Absolutely. between these personalities. You can't have it in this too element. much yin, not it, enough yang. Yeah, it's basically them playing with. It's like the three of them are playing with a, a glass mannequin of John, or, yeah. or a, man, a mannequin of John behind a glass. It's team. too. It's too respectful. Both songs are just too respectful. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about like the later Beatles was it got dirty and uh, a little disrespectful and weird mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And uh, that's but it was still interact. Best. It was yeah. still an interaction between them. It sure, wasn't sure. just you know like if it was uh, you know. Paul writing, you know, Paul doing a finger-picked song like Mother Nature's Son or Blackbird, then John writing his own finger-picked song like like Julia or or um, hey, uh, Dear, Dear Prudence or something like that, you know. So you have them kind of working similar, yeah. mining similar veins, but cu- coming with their own personalities make it different from what the other one's doing. And yeah, when you come to this, there's this no, like I say, it's like they're playing, well, it's kind of like listener Stephen Brooks told us about... Uh, there being this. Uh, tan- By the way, Stephen Brooks wanted to get mentioned in the show. Stephen, you just did. <laughs> he, Are we good? 
<laughs> Thanks, Stephen. And back to you, Dave. He just mentioned, well, he mentioned there was a tan jacket. It's nice to hear from you, Stephen. That uh, John was wearing on the, for uh, the thing on the rubber sole sleeve. Yeah. And so, and yeah, rubber sole sleeve. And so it's at the Hard Rock Cafe. It's almost like there's that behind a pane of glass and the Beatles are just playing. That's their interaction yeah. with John. You just, there's no, nothing to reach there. So well, it's, it's what, sort of him. It's not him. It's what they do now, nowadays. It's the Tupac thing. All of a sudden the hologram comes out and now everyone's performing around the yeah. hologram. Yeah. And it just, no, yeah. no, no. Because the hologram can't play off of you. Yeah. You know, you can't have like a, a moment of him going, ah, this is interesting. Yeah. I see what you're going for, mm-hmm. but no. A person's more than than a memory, and and fortunately they were sort of playing there with a the memory. Yeah, well, the best part of the singles, in my opinion, is actually the stuff that accompanied them. So on, like the free as the like I have the CD singles for them, like the free as the bird one. It came with obviously it came with free as a bird, but also has I saw her standing there, which uh, take nine, which was the uh, the a take that the count the countdown came from that version. And it was put on. Oh, okay. It was put on to take one for the album. So it's interesting to hear the countdown and the original song that it accompanied, and then it also has this boy. Them trying to sing this boy, and so they're working these very complicated harmonies together. And it's just basically just two breakdowns of them. Just they start laughing their heads off as they're trying to sing the song together. So that's really fun and this sort of intimate moment with the Beatles. And then it also has uh, Christmas time is here again, which is a fun kind of Christmas song from their very. It's not their last Christmas session but it's basically their last one where they really were working together as the Beatles whereas the, the later ones were just them taping individual messages which were compiled right. for the Christmas greetings to the fan club this one had skits it had the song you know it had lots of fun to it and that song's really great the only thing I uh, is that you kind of wish they put out the six minute version so that you could finally hear the the really long version of it but that's okay and then with real love it had uh, uh, babies in black and it was like a composite of two different takes from uh, a live show they did. Um, and then um, they had Yellow Submarine, which is kind of fun because it's an alternate mix. So it has Ringo's spoken introduction where he's talking yeah. about walking and has the, and then it also has, uh, they turn the sound effects up for it. So it's kind of fun just to hear the sound effects a little louder and so you can hear more of what was happening and that kind of, the kind of ambience they're creating with the, with the sounds. It's fun. Mm. And then it has uh, Here, There and Everywhere, which is another composite of two different takes, take seven and 13. And then with remastered vocals, so it kind of gives it a bit more brightness to the, the vocal harmonies, which are really important to that song, and so it's nice to hear it that way. Now, I never got a single for the third one, so I don't know if there was a single or if I if I missed it in the store and it was it came out so quickly and I missed it at the time. I have to admit that I, I you know by that point I was living you know in the country, so it was hard for me to keep track of what was happening. I did get the sleeve for anthology though, because <laughs> they put out this little cardboard sleeve. Yeah. Uh, when they put out the third one, so you could house all your your three of them into this little cardboard sleeve. It's kind of cheap. It's just a flat printed sleeve. But yeah, it's great because it's no one ha- not everyone has it. Now, so. uh, if you do, if anyone out there does know if there was a single, uh, go to our website mm-hmm. sneakydragon.com and uh, let yeah, us know. I'd like to know what was on it. Yep, because they put out a single for live at the BBC, which I have, but I don't. I never saw one for anthology. Well, a piece, someone out there knows for sure, and uh, and uh, they will let us know. Okay, so that was question number one. We got through it. One last thing. Nope, we didn't. We're still going. <laughs> One last thing was uh, the three remaining Beatles. They also worked on a song called All for Love Yeah. Uh, at Paul's studio. And once again, it was never completed and thus never released. So whether it was intended for anthology or whether they're just having some fun together while they were maybe just warming mm. up the chops and just kind of working on something Paul had sitting around, 
no one knows. But someone visited Paul at the time, and he played it for him. Yeah. At his studio, and so this person, you know, has stated definitely worked on was definitely the Beatles. And did they say if they liked it or not? Uh, well, I think if you're visiting Paul McCartney, you're in a position where you have to like it. Oh, I see. That's the way Paul runs things. Eh? I don't yeah. know if Paul runs it this way, but I mean, you'd feel kind of weird if you, yeah, someone, that's a host brings you to their studio yeah, and no, you're, I hear you. You got the All generosity right. and you go, yeah, the song was, yeah, it was in the like. Hopefully, hopefully one day that'll leak out and we'll uh, give that a listen. All right. So here's, okay, that was easy. Now it gets hard. <laughs> the next question. What's what's hard about this? You've you've done all the research already. <laughs> you know, the hard work is done. Here we go. Okay. The question next, number 2. The next question is uh talk about let it be ellipse naked. Okay. Uh Carnival of Light <laughs> and the canceled sessions album. And that's a question from Cody Shelton. He he asked us Okay. This. So, well, uh, this one is not hard for me because I've heard none of these. So uh, <laughs> off you go. You're going to turn, turn it over to me. Generally. Okay. I'll, I'll make comments throughout. But uh, So what is Let It Be Naked? Well, Let It Be Naked is, is kind of... Is this with brackets naked or is it no, Let It Be it's Naked? Full, it's full on naked. No, it's, <laughs> it's Let It Be dot 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 naked. And so the idea of it was is to take Phil Spector's quote unquote massacre of Let It Be and strip it down to what it was supposed to be, which is the Beatles live... As they were meant to be. Okay. The new phase album, right? The warmth and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> what happened was Paul uh, ran into the director of Let It Be, Michael Lindsay Hogg, on a, on a plane flight. And they were talking, and they were both kind of bemoaning the fact that Let It Be was not available. This was like in the early 2000s. And, uh, and by the way, another listener, I believe it was David from London, wrote and said, I can't believe that you didn't mention that Michael Lindsay Hogg was Orson Welles' son. Which I didn't know, actually, so thank you I for writing that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, apparently the illegitimate son of Orson Welles, uh, he had an affair with an actress, Geraldine Page, maybe I wish I, I should have written this down, but... So where's the name Hogg come from? Uh, his fa- his, uh, his uh, stepfather. Uh, stepfather, okay. Yeah, yeah. And apparently he was completely uninterested in his, in whether Orson Welles was his dad, right. until he was writing a, a book later in his life, and then he was kind of like, well, if I'm going to say this, I better be, know for sure. And so he did. Wouldn't... He ever? Do you ever just go in the mirror and go rosebud and just see if it sounded yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No wine before it's time. Mm-hmm. Say that. That so. ad for peas. That yeah. ad for peas. Yeah, <laughs> I like how we both. That's all we know. There was an ad for peas. Also, he was in the Transformers movie. This is terrible. Forget I even brought this up. <laughs> um, and so, but uh, the the uh, sample he had of Orson Welles' hair was not a did not have a follicle, so they couldn't do a DNA test on oh, it. Okay. And so I guess it's still not clear. But other people have said yes. For, cer- for sure, he was Orson Welles' son. Okay. But anyway, I didn't know that. I was kind of interested, so I, l- I read about it last night. Um, so, yeah, they met on the plane, and... Uh, oh, no. Not, it was from Jeremy. Sorry, Jeremy. I said the wrong person's name. It was All Jeremy. Right. Well, you have corrected I wrote it, yourself. I wrote so it in my notes. I should have read a bit farther down. That's fine. Um, yeah, so they met during the flight, and they're, they're both kind of bemoaning the fact that the movie was unavailable. Paul, probably less. It might have just been like kind of like, yeah, it's uh, too... Too bad that uh, that movie of us fighting and not getting along very well is it's not out there. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Hmm, boy, tough. Yeah, but uh, but he was inspired enough that when he landed uh, a little while later, he went to Abbey Road and he kind of commissioned three of the engineers there to sit down and go through all thirty hours of the session tapes and kind of compile a new album based around the original Let It Be albums. Okay. Of of material, 
And um, well, let me just ask you this before we get into that. Sure. Now, uh, when you're saying Paul wouldn't be necessarily bemoaning this, if that movie was, say, released now, mm-hmm. wouldn't Paul be making money off that uh, that uh, that uh, film? Yep. Yeah, so that would be a reason to want to do it, right? Sure. There you go. Okay, so there is a motivation that could be in in, in Paul. There's a motivation there, but the fact is, that it has not. I mean, it was briefly came out briefly on Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. It did come out briefly on, on VHS. That's where I f- first saw it. Was on a rental VHS. But, but if uh, that came out on Blu-ray, that would sell a number of copies, and sure. uh, money would be made. So yes. there's a re- there is a reason. There the is a justification. Thing, the thing is, in the way the Beatles work, is everyone has to agree. If one person vetoes the release of something, then it does not get released. Right. So uh, now, now has that veto uh, gone now to Yoko? Yes. And George's uh, George's. It's photo? gone to Yoko and Olivia Harrison. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Ringo, Paul, Olivia, and Yoko all have to agree on something being done. So, for instance, for that love show to get done, all four of them had to agree the Cirque to that. The Cirque du Soleil love, yeah. yeah. And for anthology to happen, all of them had to agree to doing that okay. show. So, apparently, at the time, George was a bit strapped for money because of the handmade films debacle. And so that made him more, for the first time, more agreeable to doing the anthology and participating in it. So it was able to get done. Before that, he was not really that into it, and so it was never... And, and, and was a fair amount of money, by the way, made on, on that? I imagine it was pretty popular. Good. I'm just hoping they the got TV some money show, off that. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, hoping, I'm hoping did all right. You know, DVDs. Okay. But sorry, back to your uh, back to your thing. So, because because the, the fact is, is that Paul, you know, we know that Paul hated 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 Phil Spector's uh, mix of of Let It Be, and like I say, I'm not I'm not absolutely sure why. I think there was more to it than just him not liking the the track. But uh, so his idea was. Let It Be Naked was going to return to his original vision of Get Back, which is his kind of the return of the, 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 to the Beatles to the rock and roll sound of their early years. That was like, you know, that's the original vision of supposedly of, of Let It Be. So, uh, so what, so they did this new version and it's interesting. It sounds really nice. It has beautiful sound. I mean, it's, it's obviously been produced in the 2000s. So it, it has really great sound. I think it came out in 2003 and, it uh, takes out two of the kind of more fun songs on it, Maggie Mae and Dig It, which, you know, are minor songs, obviously, but are still kind of fun. They're fun. Yeah, and, and They break they, things up. They break things up. And palette they, cleanser, yeah. They work on the context of it, and it also took out all the between songs chatter. Yeah, so, okay, I'm against that. So uh, so the changes they did was, okay, uh, it starts with Get Back, which is the original single version from that came out. Now, at least with Spectre's album, he gave gave us... An alternate take from one of the one of the sessions, so it's not the single version. It's just one of the rehearsal sessions. So it's a little rougher sounding, but it's different. So you know, because the Beatles didn't want to rip people off, so they would give you you know something different than what you're getting. So you know, when when Get Back came out and had Don't Let Me Down as the B side, you know, you're not going to see Don't Let Me Down on the album because that was used as a B side. And Get Back on the album is going to be different than the Get Back you got on the single. So that's value for money, right? Not on this album. Uh, dig a dig a pony. Uh, once again, they clean it up. So, uh, in the original version, there's like a false start. That's taken out. And, and then the closing dialogue is removed. And also, um, they, they digitally tuned John's voice for it as well. Cause there's a time when, when he's saying, I think because or something like that, and his voice is, goes out of tune a little bit. Mm-hmm. They digitally, it's supposed to be like warts and all. It's supposed yeah. to be like rock and roll. Yeah. Um, that's like, uh, auto-tuning, uh, Neil Young. Yeah. You can do it. 
but you lose Neil Young. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's no point. Uh, For You Blue is pretty much the same, except they add in a, an acoustic part that was left out of the of the, the original version. The Long and Winding Road is the take that was used in the film, but it features uh, it features electric piano and guitar, and then the orchestral and choral overdubs are, of course, removed because they're so horrible. And Two of Us, which is number five, instead of opening the album with the great song Two of yeah. Us, it opens with Get Back, which I think is a mistake because Get Back should be like a closing song. All right. In this version, there's only 11 songs in the album, by the way, too. In this version, uh, I assume Two of Us is the side closer on the first side, if you were thinking of it in terms of a record. Uh, it's a CD, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, just a remix of the original album version. Um, one After 909, once again, rooftop version. But the Danny Boy part, when he starts singing, oh, Danny Boy, after it is John Lennon starts singing, it's taken off. And then... Uh, Rip off par excellence. Come on, Beatles. Don't let me down is on this version. So instead of, you know, just le- leaving it be, and then it's a composite of two different rooftop versions. So rather than even just being like a rough kind of rough and ready version of, of a different one that we've heard before, it combines two of them to get a better version in quotation marks. I'm me mine. Once again, this is a weird one because it uses Spectre's edit. So that terrible Phil Spectre album, it uses his edit to make it longer, only it leaves off the orchestra. Uh, across the universe, once again, it's a remix version of the, of Glyn Johns and Phil Spector's remix of the original 68 or 60, uh, 68 version, I guess? Yeah, 68 version, which is well before the whole get back sessions. And, uh, once again, the, the vocals were, um, the vocals were, uh, sl- I think slowed down a little bit. And then, uh, and then the orchestra was taken off of it. And then the last song is Let It Be which once again is a remix of the original album version, the single version. Uh, it's a remix of two different bits edited together to make it better. And no no orchestral overdubs. My feelings about it are, sounds great. Of course it's great. It's, a, it's the songs from Let It Be. But in a way, it's just kind of pointless. I just feel like it was just McCart- is his cathartic kind of, this is my version of it. Yeah. But what's weird is his version of it is no better than, than Phil Spector's or Glenn Johns. Now, how did this uh, how did this album do? I think it did okay. I don't remember people being too excited about it, you know, because it <clears throat> it's kind of already done. Like it's every, we've already had it. Yeah. So it's like um, you know, say you you wrote a book and then you published it, and then you decided that you should do one more rewrite on it. So you do another rewrite and then yeah. you republish the book. And, and now then, it's Moby or Dick. Yeah. And it's and like all right, we're good. Thanks. Yeah. 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 And because Ahab's brother's in it. Yeah, but we don't need him. It's got a wooden hand. You don't need it. My feelings about it are Phil Spector was given the brief just to make it, take this stuff by John Lennon, mm-hmm. which he described as the essiest bunch of S that anyone's ever recorded, which I think is kind of harsh, but that's what he described it as. Yeah, it was even harsher when he actually said the words. Yes. Yeah. But we've got a podcast that's G rated, so <laughs> yeah, that's we what we're going to do. It. We kept it. Um, and so. You know, but his brief was to make it better. And so he made it better in his way. In his, he made it into a Spectorian, yeah. you know, big giant thing, which the Beatles liked. I mean, they liked Phil Spector's mm-hmm. songs and stuff like that. There's a reason he was there. Um, you know, the, the fact is, is that even before Phil Spector came in the scene, the Beatles had already cheated when they did the Let It Be overdubs. They, they, they overdubbed orchestra on the original Let It Be and George's guitar solo, you know, his second guitar solo. So, they already cheated. They already broke the so-called let it be, you know, code. get back code. Yeah. And the new version takes away the live feel by stripping away all the between song chatter and false starts. And so it doesn't feel like a rock and roll album. It doesn't feel rock and roll. 
And then it takes away John Lennon's humor, which is to me a great part of Let It Be, is his jokes, Danny Boy, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, all that stuff is, is fun, right? And then, um, and then also it, once again, still talking about cheating, this effect that they tuned, digitally tuned his voice. It, you know, like. Boo. Yeah. So, and then, for me, the whole idea that an album that can, and I'm not putting these songs down, obviously, okay. but the idea that an album that contains. It's all it, great. Let's just start with it's all great. <laughs> an album that has Let It Be and Long and Winding Road. Yeah. Cannot be an album that gets back to the Beatles' early rock and roll roots. Because that, those songs are not about rock and roll. Those songs are ballad. They're about Paul McCartney's origins as a balladeer, I suppose, but not about his origins as a rock and roll singer. Those songs are not rock and roll, and they never will be. They're ballads, you know, and so they're great songs, but they're not rock and roll. So the idea that, that somehow this version gets back to rock and roll roots is ridiculous. So it sounds nice. It's just pointless. Okay, next album. Um, this one is kind of complicated because... Now, what is this one? This is Sessions. Okay. And what Sessions was going to be was kind of anthology before anthology. And what year are we looking at now? For this? this is the mid early 80s, mid okay. to early 80s. Um, so let's first talk about rarities because this kind of gets the ball rolling. When, EM, when the Beatles contract expired, uh, I think around 76 it expired, EMI... I guess when they didn't have to pay the Beatles anymore, or maybe they were... I don't know what, why, but they suddenly became interested in the Beatles catalog. I'm not too sure why. The contract expired. Suddenly they were like, hey, let's exploit this Beatles catalog. So they... Uh, at first, their exploitation of it was pretty dull. You know, they put out rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. So basically, they got George Martin to kind of uh, do a better mix of the early, the early two-track material. And so that came out, I think, in 76. And uh, I have it written down, but I, I'm not on that page. And then, and then the next year they put out Love Songs, which was basically just another, uh, another uh, you know kind of collection of Beatles songs. So, and then in '77 they also put out the Live at the Hollywood Bowl. So you know these kind of three kind of mining the Beatles catalog, but you know the Live at the Hollywood Bowl had been sitting in the the cans, it'd been sitting in the, on the shelf for since '64. You know, so it was, they had it for a long time. Why they finally decided to, to put it out? I mean, obviously, just exploit the Beatles' name. So once they were done the Beatles that, going through a specific, like a hot spot or something? Then was there a little uh, nostalgia? Because we had maybe you know you had your Beatlemania in the seventies, and then uh, was there anything come? Was this like about ten years later, and now we got the it? Beatlemania again? was the eighties, I think. Well, when was uh, maybe maybe late seventies? Yeah, you're right, late seventies. Yeah. But that's I think you, even got, yeah, good. Yeah, and I mean they have may have been riding the wave that that uh, EMI was creating by re- reissuing singles and putting out these albums and things like that. Because I mean, Obladi Obladi came out as a single in '76 as well. So yeah, I mean there was a maybe there was a bit of a return to Beatlemania, and it was probably like a bit of an anniversary for stuff as well. So you could kind of anniversary of Sgt. Pepper, anniversary of, and so. Um, then they started, for the very first time, they started looking at like at alternate tracks. And what they were interested in was unreleased takes. So they put together a very short list of unreleased takes and stuff like that. But let's, first I'm just going to talk about rarities and then sure, we'll, we'll go, go into it. that. So now, uh, in the UK, they released a, a collection of albums called the Beatles Collection. And it was basically just a box set of all their albums. And then in that box set, it contained a record called Rarities. So the UK one collected to UK rarities, like songs that fans wouldn't have if if they didn't have the red and the blue collections or 
um, Magical Mystery Tour, the new the new release. Oh, that's the other thing they put out was Magical Mystery Tour in '76. They put that out. the 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 U.S. version came out in England. Oh, okay. So before that time, it was only available as the two uh, gatefold sleeved 45s. Gotcha. In '76, because it was a popular import, EMI or EMI released it in the U.K. So now, if you had all those, you still wouldn't have been able to get um, uh, a, like so. Oh wait, so I was just gonna say so. Um, it, the ones I didn't assume you had was a collection of Beatles oldies, which was um, in '67 because there wasn't gonna be any Christmas release because the Beatles, because the Beatles had worked so hard on Sgt. Pepper. Uh, EMI put out in the in the UK they put out this collection called the Collection of Beatles Oldies, and so it was like. Just sort of a greatest hits collection up to that point, and it was just a stopgap for the for the Christmas market. And then there was also the Hey Jude release um, that was released in the late '60s, and that was uh, through Alan Klein and Apple. When Alan Klein had done his uh, re, uh, what would you call it, his renegotiating of the Beatles uh, royalties and stuff like that, he uh, wanted to exploit the fact that they're getting more money, so they put a, a collection that was called Hey Jude, and what that collected was a lot of, particularly in the States, a lot of stuff that had been kind of fallen aside from from albums and things like that, uh, and hadn't been left off. Like, You Can't Buy Me Love wasn't on any albums in the U.S. because it had been on the on the, on the uh, United Artist okay. soundtrack for Hard Day's Night. It wasn't available to Capitol, and so it never got mushed into one of their, you know, kind of Frankenstein Beatles, collect, Beatles compilation albums. And so, uh, and there's a few like that as well. And so, and then it had Hey Jude on it and Old Brown Shoe and some of the more recent singles, Ballad of John and Yoko. So it's a great album. So it's a really good album. But, uh, but it was kind of a hodgepodge of stuff. And it was basically, you know, kind of Alan Klein's baby because he wanted to get money rolling in for the Beatles on, under this new contract. So, uh, so then, uh, so I'll just tell you that the, the album track list for the, the UK rarities is, uh, Across the Universe. Now, this was a version that was on the World Wildlife Federation one, so it has the girl singing on it. It has all the... It, so it's not the stripped-down Let It Be version. This is the full version that was produced in 68 when they were doing Lady Madonna and okay. everything. It has Yes, It Is, This Boy, The Inner Light, I'll Get You, Thank You, Girl, uh, Komm gibt mir deine Hand. This is the German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. And then You Know My Name, Look Up the Number, Sie liebt dich, which is the German version of She Loves You. And then side two would have been Rain, She's a Woman, Matchbox, I Call Your Name, Bad Boy, Slow Down, I'm Down, and Long Tall Sally. So four songs from the the a Long Tall Sally EP, which hadn't been collected unless you had the, the collection of Beatles oldies. And then the I'm Down and some of the B-sides and things like that. So that was things that you couldn't get in the UK. So the US wanted to do this too. For, and so they, they released one called Rarities. But because Capital had repackaged almost all those songs into all the various, you know, kind of capital versions of the Beatles albums. They didn't have the same well to draw from. So they their Rarities album is a little bit different. And actually, it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat album because it has uh, at least three songs in there that aren't available still. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So it has um, Love Me Do, which is the original, which is a version with Ringo on drums and no tambourine. That one is available on the Past Masters collections. Uh, it has Misery which wasn't available on Capitol Records because it had been licensed to VJ. So it never made, ended up on any of the compilations. It has There's a Place, once again, licensed to VJ Records, so it couldn't get on the Capitol ones. Uh, Sie liebt dich, the German version of She Loves You. 
which once again, because Swan Records had the license for She Loves You, it got the license for Zee Liebdich. So Capital couldn't throw that on an album. Whereas with uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, they had they own that one. So Come Give to Me Dinah Hand, that was on something else by the Beatles. So that that ended up on an album, but Zee Liebdich couldn't because of the licensing issues. Um, and then it has And I Love Her, which is an alternate version. It has a different, has a, uh, has a six bar ending that was released in Germany that is not available on CD. So you only hear that, you can only hear that if you have the Rarities album or access to YouTube, probably. Um, Help. Uh, this is the mono version. So it has different versions than the stereo, which was what most people were used to. So, and of course now this is available on the mono. If you have the Beatles in, in mono, you can hear that. It has I'm Only Sleeping, which was a, a, the UK revolver mix, because the American revolver mix was, a, was sent over earlier, uh, because it was on, uh, today and yesterday, the, the, the Frankenstein compilation of, of stuff, right? So, uh, it was, it went over earlier with Dr. Robert and Andrew Bird can sing. So they, it had a different mix than the one that ended up on the UK. Am I boring you yet? Uh, a little, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it had I Am the Walrus. <laughs> Which uh, that was that was a surprising burst of honesty there. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> it has the revolver mix. Oh, sorry, another revolver. This is a, I'm the Walrus is the new mix, which was a combination of the U.S. and U.K. singles. Yeah, <laughs> and then it has a six-part intro that's a bit different, and then it has some extra drum beats before the yellow matter custard part. This all matters once again. Not available on CD. Okay. Um, side two had Pe- uh, Penny Lane. Which once again, this, the the U.S. version of the single was different than the U.K. version of the single, because it got sent over earlier. Because the U.S. were clamoring to get it, uh, they sent over one. It had a had a longer fade out with more piccolo trumpet at the end, and so um, so and when they they kind of rethought it for the U.K. one, they cut they they mixed that out, and so this is the this is a, but what it does is it compiles the German version, which was true stereo, with uh, the U.S. mono version's extra piccolo trumpet part. So. All right. And once again, not available on CD. So try to find it on CD. You try, can't. Try, you can't. We dare you. We dare you. And no burning your own CDs and going, <laughs> "Hey, there it is." Uh, it had Helter Skelter, which is the mono version, uh, which ends before Ringo's cry of "I've got blisters on my finger." It, so it fades. Oh, okay. So when it fades out, it doesn't fade back in again. And that that's on the mono white album, so you can hear that on the Beatles in mono. And then also, "Don't Pass Me By." From the Beatles in mono, uh, which was the White Album version, also had like a different, uh, different. Uh, it's a bit faster and it has different uh, violin parts in it or fiddle parts, if you prefer. Uh, and then the Inner Light, uh, the mono version, which you can hear Mono Masters, across the universe. Once again, it's the World Wildlife, Wildlife Federa- Federation, the the charity album version. It has You Know My Name, look up the number in mono, which you can hear on Past Masters. And then it has this to end. It has the Sergeant Pepper's run out groove that little thing where it repeats the weird laughter and the, the oh, kind okay, of backwards yeah. speaking gotcha. and stuff like that it r- duplicated that for the for because it wasn't on the american version so no one in, who lived in the states had heard it unless they had a, a, a uk import so um yeah so that actually came out that came out in 82 and it's a lot of it's a you know it's a it has a terrible cover but it's a good album like it's kind of funny what is the hear. cover on it it's just like a it's just kind of a like a almost looks like a polaroid of the beatles on this kind of pebble gray background okay you're like why what is a good what is good about that <laughs> terrible 80s design now what's interesting about rarities is that they're able to do that because with sessions uh just to kind of talk about um uh the so they re- released a bunch of stuff, uh, the love songs, rock and roll music, live at the Hollywood Bowl, the, the, uh, version of, of Magical Mystery Tour. You know, just sort of cash-ins. 
but nothing original, nothing to sate the interest of the Beatles fans, right? Who knew that there was stuff, like at least suspected there was things, because there were articles talking about Beatles songs that were unreleased, like Colliding Circles and and uh, and Junk, and, or not Junk, but Liberty. Like they had different names. Cause how, some would, songs, how would people know about these? Would they be like in a Rolling Stone or a fanzine? Or Yeah, you... well, there was a, an NME article actually in the mid-70s that listed about 30 different tracks. Some of them were made up, just totally made up titles, but some of them were right. <laughs> some of them were real songs that, that hadn't been re- released yet. And so um, what uh, EMI did was they, they put together like these kind of compilation cassettes of different unreleased tracks by the Beatles so that executives could hear them. So one of them kind of found its way into the hands of a collector, and it had Leave My Kitten Alone, One After 909, the 63 version. If You've Got Troubles, Christmas Time Is Here Again. This was the 6 minute and 39 second one without vocals. Uh, that Means A Lot, Come And Get It, Paul's demo of the song. Uh, a some of the med- medleys from uh, the Get Back Let It Be session. So one had Rip It Up, Shake, Rattle and Roll, and the other one had Not Fade Away and Bo Diddley, and then an alternate take of Dig a Pony, which is well, whatever. But it was interesting nonetheless. So they were kind of passing these amongst themselves, you know, as they were working up to it. And finally, in 1981, they actually assigned uh, an engineer named John Barrett to sit down and listen to all the Beatles sessions and not list list unreleased songs, but all the alternate takes of things as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So he went through everything. And and he, and so he uh, just found like this treasure trove of alternate takes and interesting things. So so they had all this information. And so in 83, uh, they did this big renovation of Abbey Road Studios. And as part of that, they planned this Beatles retrospective. In this, So they, people would come to the studios and they would see all this kind of Beatles material and they were going to have this soundtrack playing, and it was going to be all alternate takes and tracks that people hadn't heard before. So what's interesting, as they were working on this stuff, this was when all this escaped Abbey Road and ended up in the bootleg market. So this is in 83, like, so people who were working on it, suddenly, you know, they had access to all these tapes. So a lot of it got duplicated and sold, and that's where we have, like, the fantastic series, like the Unsurpassed Master series, which was an absolutely great series. Before anthology, you would never heard like the three different versions of Strawberry Fields unless you had the Unsurpassed Masters version. And when did that, when did that come out? Around 84, 85. It did started you, did you have access to it? Uh, let's just say I have tapes of it that I got from someone else. Okay, they're bootlegs. So yeah. uh, look, you can't say, yeah, you can't, well, let's just, yeah, they're bootlegs regardless <laughs> yeah. of where you got yeah. them. Yeah. They were illegal, so don't don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got, I have quite a few different bootleg things of, yes, yeah. of Beatles. Um, we because, won't say where you've got them. It's not worth busting into your them. house to like yeah. get them because yeah. they, they're not at your house, clearly. They're somewhere. Well, it's because the Beatles weren't smart enough to put it out, so the fans can right. hear it. But I'm just saying if someone was looking for those illegal copies, you keep them in, in the woods. So look <laughs> That's to right. the woods. Look in the woods. They're in piles in the tr- amongst the trees. Um, and so, because one of the rumors, let's just clear his name publicly on Completely Beatles. One of the rumors that I often heard is that Mark Lewison, when he was doing the research for the, the Complete Beatles recording sessions, is that's when that all that material ended up in the market, and it's always kind of been pointed back at him as the source of a lot of these, a lot of these. Uh, what a jerk! I hate that guy now. Wait, wait, are you saying there's something I he, should know? He did not have access to stuff until '86, ah, so right. it was already on the market before then. So, so his he has not. So unless he has who, a TARDIS, yes, this is not. Uh, it wasn't his, not his. It fault. wasn't his thing, and so. After another year of kind of back and forth and dithering, and the thing is, is they weren't dithering with the Beatles. The Beatles did not know any of this was happening. So they had not been been told about any of this stuff. Even when the album was being compiled, the Beatles did not know anything about it. So uh, so after another year, 
so in 80, around 84, they finally arrived at a final set of songs, which was, it was given the code name Mary Jane, the, uh, and it was often called Boots by the people working on it. And it was supposed to be called 1234. That was going to be the title before they decided on sessions. And so then they brought in Jeff Emmerich. And this is kind of the unfortunate part of it because he was brought in to edit them and make them more commercial sounding. So he was brought in. So he, he edited What's a New Mary Jane? So it was less crazy sounding and more quote unquote commercial as if you could make that song ever sound commercial. Yeah. But anyway, so the track list for the, this single sessions one was Christmas time is here again, uh, combined with come and get it. So I don't know if they kind of faded into the other song or what, but they're together. Like, so there's like slash come and get it. Uh, so the come and get it version that was on the sessions one is now, this is the one you can hear on the, uh, free as a bird single. Okay. Uh, leave my kitten alone, which you can hear in anthology one, not guilty which you can hear on Anthology 3, which once again was edited down about a minute from the original version. Even the version we hear on Anthology is edited. Uh, that Means a Lot, which you can hear on Anthology 2. I'm Looking Through You, the alternate take of the song, which we talked about in the uh, Rubber Soul, um, Completely Beatles. That's available on Anthology 2. What's the New Mary Jane? Also edited by Emmerich. That's available on Anthology 3. And then on side 2 is How Do You Do It? The, that song by, I think, Mitch Miller, his name was, the, that the Beatles didn't want to record... That's available in Anthology 1. Not, not that Mitch Miller. How do No, I made me think of the wrong name. Sorry. Okay, because that's Sing Along with Mitch Miller. No, different Mitch Miller. Yeah, okay, I didn't think so. Bessie Mucho, which is also available in Anthology 1. One After 909, the 63 version went on Anthology 1. If You've Got Trouble, which was a song Ringo sang and went, oh, rock on anybody. <laughs> uh, that, strangely, uh, in Sessions, I don't know if on Anthology 2 they kept that version because Jeff Emmerich moved the verses around on it. I don't know why, but it was edited so the verses were in different order. Uh, that's on there. While My Guitar Gently Weeps with the ending changed. So instead of just having George naturally end the song as he did, it, it uh, on the Sessions version, it looped around and, and kind of faded out in this loop. And Mailman Bring Me No More Blues, which was it's a, on Anthology 3, one of the Let It Be jams. And then Obleti Oblita, that really nice version of uh, that's on Anthology 3. But in this version, once again, it was cross-faded with uh, Christmas Time is Here Again. So that was the final song on it. And so, yeah, so they decided on the session, session title, title, or the album title, Sessions. And it was going to be released in November of 84. And then Paul uh, announced he was releasing Give My Regards to Broad Street. And because EMI hadn't talked to the Beatles about it, I guess they didn't want to step on be- on Paul's album. Okay. So they held off releasing it. Now this is the album that was uh, this from the film. The, the soundtrack, yeah, yeah, soundtrack, soundtrack from the film. Of the same name. And then, uh, by the way, if you have not seen that film or are not aware of the film, also Ringo Starr's in it. Yes. And a lot of Beatles songs and a lot of Paul's like previous. It was a lot a mix of uh, old songs of his and I think some new stuff. Yeah. I've don't have a. I guess I've seen it, but it's been a while. It's available on uh, YouTube. I know you've got problems with illegally watching things, but uh, <laughs> if you feel like it, it's on YouTube. Okay. So yeah, like I say, I think that they didn't tell them because they hadn't put out the uh, they hadn't told the Beatles what, the, what their plans. Would the Would the Beatles have been able to uh, veto this? Yeah. Mm, that'd be the other reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, a uh, new release date of February twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five, was decided on, and they're going to have a a single was going to come out of with "Leave My Kitten Alone" on it. And then the Beatles found out about the album, and that was the end of it. So it was, it was kind of like a kind of a save face by EMI. They said, you know, we're discussing format and blah, blah, blah. Because around this time was also when the CD cassette album changeover was kind of happening. So right. it, so there was a lot of... 
it was going from cassette to CDs. Yeah. And yeah. as you remember back in the day, uh, CDs were expensive, but they said once the format becomes popular, those CD prices are coming down. And maybe one day they will. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so waiting for that. Um, and that what was I'm saying is always trust the music industry. They're going to treat you right. Yeah. And so that yeah. was the end of it. And so obviously all those songs are on Anthology, but that was... So basically Anthology started being planned in 1985. Wow, okay. I don't know if that's true for sure. No, no, but that's a good story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know what? If uh, something's a good story, let's just go with a good story. Mm -hmm. So sorry that was very complicated, but it it kind of all fits together, I think, as terms of how that all worked, the history of... No, that was good good context. Is there one more album on that list? There's one more thing that he wanted to know about, which is... By the way, this is question number two, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two. Carnival of Light. If you feel like getting on a plane to Australia right now, by the time you get there, Mm -hmm. we will probably be almost done. Okay, go ahead. Hopefully. Um, Carnival of Light. Now, I sent you a link to it, and you said... You said it's in the comments they say it's fake, and, and I was okay, wondering no, about no, it, No, here's too. the first thing I said yeah. was, not the kind of thing I should listen oh, yeah. to at 3 in the morning in a dark office, which yeah. is what I was doing. And I'm just like, am I just listening to people in hell? <laughs> like, what is this? This is uh, creepy uh, yeah. stuff, for the most part. And then, yeah, I listened to it on YouTube, mm. and then in the comments, there was a lot of people going, fake, this yeah. is fake, proven fake. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. So I wanted to ask you, Dave. Fake or not fake? I think it is a fake because if you read Mark... And I was wondering because if you read Mark Lewis's description of it, he describes the Beatles as yelling random phrases in it, like Barcelona and things like that. And you do not hear that in, in the version that's on YouTube. So this one was recorded by ghosts. So, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. That's, what it, that's what it sounds like. So yeah, Listen to it if you want, folks, but I'm just saying, one, it's quite long. And and two, uh, it, it gets a little. It does feel a little creepy. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting, and it would be interesting to hear the real ver- version of it. So the 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 origins of it is uh, it is run the time of Sergeant Pepper, mm-hmm. and Paul had got this guy to paint his his, which is the way they the time they got his piano to paint this got his piano to paint got this guy that to is come impressive in. Yeah, that is impressive he got what he did is he put paintbrushes on the the rollers and just rolled it down the stairs, <laughs> um he uh. He got this guy to paint um, his piano with psychedelic designs. Okay. Because that was, you know, they had the guitars painted and they and the John Lennon's Rolls Royce was painted yeah, sure, in psychedelic designs. And that was the thing. So this guy was named David Vaughn. And he was one of, he was part of this, uh, this kind of a, uh, it was called a rave well before its time. It was called the A Million Volt Light and Sound Rave. And what it was, was it was a electronic music and light show kind of a, a exhibition. Of those things, and so he, and since he was talking to Paul, and Paul was a Beatle, and this was a coup if he could get it to happen, he asked Paul if he would contribute something, if the Beatles would contribute something to this, to the, to this, this uh, show. And so Paul, much to his surprise, said, "Yeah, that sounds interesting." So, um, like a, another contributor to the show was uh, Unit Delta Plus, which was an electronic uh, music group that com- uh, had uh, two members of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, Delia Derbyshire and Brian Hodgson. And they worked like Delia Derbyshire worked on the Doctor Who soundtrack, the original oh, okay. version. They uh, so he asked Paul, and Paul said, "Okay." So when uh, when during one of their sessions, after he had recorded some of his vocals for Penny Lane, they uh, just started doing this long kind of freakout, this musical freakout. And uh, so now it used a lot of familiar Beatles tricks from that time period. So it they played the bass and drums really fast, and played them back. At, so then re- recorded them fast, and then so played them back at normal speed. They sounded kind of more slow, more sonorous, and had that kind of texture sound. They did a lot of backwards uh, guitar stuff, a lot of backwards cymbals and things. And then uh, they uh, 
and then they had um they had one track had like electric guitar they had the sound of a church organ and then they had sound effects to it of gargling water and all kinds of other things like that and also yelling you know shrieking and yelling stuff into the microphones so that's where the song's kind of kind of is a, I guess a red flag when you listen to the version that's on YouTube is that you don't hear Paul and John uh, yelling things so so yeah and so then um, a mono mix of the of the song was given to the to the sh- the, sh- the show uh, to the show organizers and then they uh, they played it there I assume now the song still remains unreleased because Harrison vetoed its inclusion on anthology 2 so that one vote one man, one vote. That uh, yeah, that put the kibosh in that being released, and so it's still out there. And McCartney claims that he that Harrison did it because he doesn't like avant-garde music, which he called avant-garde a clue. <laughs> but saying that he was a major contributor to Lennon's Revolution Nine, which is avant-garde music. Yeah, and he did his own like Moog electronic uh, kind of experimental sound album called Electronic Electronic Sounds, which was released on Zappa in 69. Well, so. no one hates Smoker more than the next Smoker. Maybe you've had, <laughs> maybe, you've, maybe you've done Revolution 9, you don't want to hear any more of that. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're done, and, uh, you know, that's fair. I don't know his motivations, but yeah. I respect his veto. You respect his veto? I do. I wish we could hear it, but uh, maybe he thought it was too long and would have taken away from other. Well, it's out there somewhere. Things. Don't you think like someday it'll uh, it'll surface? Don't you think everything will surface? Someday? Yeah, eventually. But yeah, it'd be just be nice to hear it. But you know what it's doing? It's pacing it out throughout your life. So there you, go, you know, yeah. what if yeah. wouldn't that be sad if you'd heard everything by this point and you're like, well, I've heard it all. No, nope. You've got more stuff that through your life is going to pop up and float to the surface. <laughs> and like, there you go. You'll enjoy that. I just want to hear it. I know you do, and it'll be nice when you do. <laughs> so uh, that's the end of that question. We okay. did it. We did Yay! it. I told you it was complicated. Well, this has been a great run on the show. Oh, I wait. How many more questions? Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, what's the next question? The next question is... From whom? This is from David from London. Okay. This, this is, is the person where I got credited. Yeah. The, all right. Uh, hello up. to David from London. David from uh, London. I love London very, very much. One of my favorite cities in the world. Me too. Why does Paul chuckle during the second verse of Maxwell Silverhammer? Well, you okay? I'm gonna throw a guess at sure uh, that uh, you, you you said like how long it took to record that thing. Yeah, uh, I'd say at a certain point you get a little giddy, and have a laugh, and it sounds yeah. charming, and they leave it in because it kind of humanizes this weird, uh, dark song about hammer murder. Yeah. You need something to break it up. So I said yeah. that that would be my assumption. But do you know for uh, for reals? I do not know for real because the the thing is is that at the time like they were recording in. They were recording the vocals long after the backing tracks had been done. It's not like, it's not like he was singing and, and in the moment someone did something funny or made a face or something like that and he kind of chuckled at it. it he just chuckles. So I kind of think that when he was playing it for the Beatles or when they were doing the early stuff, mm-hmm. he chuckled. Like he had a bit of a laugh there. And so he kept that in. And whenever he sang it, he would keep in that chuckle in that moment, you know, just to, and it does, you're right. It, it kind of probably alleviates the kind of the dark humor of the song mm-hmm. and kind of you know so he's just kind of saying chuckle it's a yeah bit we're of having a, a good time it's a bit of a laugh this yeah. isn't serious yeah there's no no such thing as pataphysical science everybody don't worry don't worry about it oh really wow that's my theory then but my degree is worthless da- <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, to be fair to David he did say that if we didn't know we could make up the answer so we just did oh we just did yeah good all right good for good for David thanks for that and good for and good for London thanks for the latitude um. Why does Paul? Oh, oh sorry, that's from? the wrong one. This is from two different people. Oh, they asked the same question. Mm-hmm. Warren Bianchi and Ken Painter both said what? Said favorite Beatle books. Oh, favorite Beatle books. Favorite Beatle books. I, I, I don't know. 
I thought you said favorite Beetle boots, really. <laughs> oh, Beetle boots. I used to have Beetle boots. Uh, did you have Beetle boots? Mm-hmm. Where, I still have wh- them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cuban heeled, pointy toed. Why didn't you wear them to, uh, to you know, this final uh, episode? You know, when you reach my age, yeah, Beetle boots are no longer. That is no. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. If you invite Dave onto your podcast, he will wear the Beetle boots. Okay. Can we go with that? Sure. All right. Uh, fa- favorite Beetle books. I'm not really that familiar with. Uh, with a Beetle book. All right. I'm going to go. My favorite Beetle book is a comic book. It's where the Fantastic Four uh, met the Beatles. There. Thing in the Human Torch met the Beatles. Is it the I actual can't... Beatles in the comic? Uh, yeah, it is actually the Beatles. Yeah. Do they have to pay like a license fee to have them in the comic? I'm not thing? sure what they did with that one. But, uh, you know, the thing wears the uh, Beetle wig mm. and they see them. And it's kind of a cameo. Th- is this a cameo? Well, they they got enough shots in there that Do it's they like, speak legit. in it? I, ooh, I think they are speaking to each okay. other. Yeah, I oh, believe so. Interesting. Interesting. Well, oh, and the and the Beatles also showed up to the Fantastic Four's uh, wedding, Mister Fantastic and oh, Sue really? Storm's wedding. They are how nice they are of watching. Them. Yeah, how nice of well, them. Well, it's like the Fantastic Four and the Fantastic Four, the Fab Four. Yeah, Fab yeah. and Fantastic Four. They should be friends. It's sad that n- none of the Fantastic Four are on the sleeve of Sergeant Pepper. They're at the wedding. You think that one of them would make it into the background? I think the w- I think the wedding happened afterwards. Oh, okay. okay. So maybe they became friends at a later time. A later time. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's my that's my nerdy answer because I have not read a lot of uh, Beatles books. I want to read this one that I actually ended up giving you, which was the fifth Beatle, which was a graphic novel about uh, Brian Epstein. It's interesting, actually. It's good. Yeah, I you know so it's interesting. All right, uh, but what is your uh, what are your uh, favorite Beatle books? Well, before I answer, I'll just say that I've read a lot of Beatle books. But my favorite, because I mean, I'm interested in them as people, but I'm more interested in the music. So I, I more enjoy the technical aspect of, of the music, musical descriptions and stuff as like that. As those of you who have listened to these podcasts <laughs> probably noticed. might already know. Yeah. I'm when, not... when you started listing the uh, numbers for the sound effects uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that no one could ever yeah. possibly, unless they were at Abbey Road, they're yeah. going to, you know, though, by the way, if you happen to be at Abbey Road Studio, you now know specifically what sound effects yeah. to look for. Yeah. But yes, you so, are technical. So, um, you know, I've read uh, the Peter Brown, All You Need Is Love. I've read Pete Shotton's interesting, uh, very personal recollections of his life with John Lennon. He was in the Quarrymen. He was a school boyfriend. John Lennon bought him a, a, a shopping, uh, you know, like a supermarket to run as a, you know, as a tax dodge, but gave his friend a job. You know, he was there when the, they're writing I'm the Walrus. So there's a lot of interesting tidbits and stuff like that. But I'm not that interested in that kind of gossipy stuff. Like, okay. I think the Peter Brown book was the first book to suggest that Lennon had a relationship, a sexual relationship with, with, with Brian Epstein when they went to Spain together. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think that's true, but. And neither does Paul. Neither does Paul. No. And, and I, I think if John says something like that, he was joking because he liked to tease Brian quite a bit and he knew Brian liked him. And so he liked to play that up, you yeah. know? And so, um, uh, my favorite book that I've read about the Beatles, though, is a is actually a book about Paul McCartney called Blackbird, and to me, it has the very best description of their time in Hamburg. The rest of it's okay, but the description it's very evocative of them, of young men, young like teenagers, you know, living away from home in this kind of very wild place, and the, all the antics and stuff they got up to, and it doesn't feel gross or dirty. It just it feels like you know people just coming of age and just you know. There, sure, there's parts of it that are gross and dirty because that's where they were. But yeah. you know, it's it's just very interesting and, and it's very fun to read. And and um, the Albert Goldman book, The Lives of John Lennon, is uh, of course a rip job. You know, par excellence. You know, he didn't like John Lennon, so he, 
but it does have some interesting descriptions of the recording, like of Sgt. Pepper and stuff like that. And it, so it does have some value to it. My favorite books, though, my personal favorite books of all time, uh, and I'll go for my very first, my very favorite book, is The Complete Beatles Recording Sessions by Mark Lewison. I love that book. Like, I just love it because it just, it has a great, it has a great interview with Paul McCartney at the beginning of it and kind of sets the stage for this wonderful session, like day by day recounting of everything the Beatles did while they recorded all their albums at Abbey Road. So it tells you, you know, it gives you like little anecdotes. It has interviews with the engineers and the people who worked with them, with George Martin and Norman Smith and Jeff Emmerich and Ken Townsend. It talks about the, the creation of, of ADT and of, of, uh, you know, of the close miking techniques and has anecdotes from session musicians. And it just takes you through all, all the, and I just love it. Like I just love reading it because it, you are so immersed in that, in that moment of that, you know, and it's just a really beautiful read. And if anyone's looking for that book, it's, uh, remaindered at chapters. You can go to chapters and find it in their budget book section. Now, chapters, is that only in Canada? It's only in Canada. So I imagine Barnes and Nobles may have it also in their cheap book section as well in the States. And maybe it's available for cheap at Amazon. I don't, I don't know. And probably online. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a great book. Like, I've always called that book the greatest book ever written. And I, I have, Riddle. Which really bothers people in church when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, the second greatest book ever written is Revolution in the Head by Ian MacDonald. Once again, it's this is not as technical uh, as, as a complete Beatles recording session, but it's a song-by-song analysis by someone who lived through that time period and brings a real intellectual rigor to the, to the discussion of the Beatles. He has a long introduction. That gives you this kind of context and puts them in in their time and place. He's you. He's me. I hope not. Is this is this what you base sort of what you do here on? Is was this your inspiration for for this show? Kind of. Well, you're the one who suggested that we do this. So no, I'm the one who suggested that we yeah we do, we do uh, a podcast on the Beatles. Yeah. That was my suggestion. And then you you went with the let's do all the albums. Oh okay. And now let's do an album yeah, each probably, thing. Yeah, it probably was. And you're the one who decided to do the context yeah. heavy at the beginning of the show. So it sounds like you. Well, the context heavy was I, I don't know if it was from him as much as maybe I mean maybe it was, but just because I feel like if we're just talking about the record and and there's no sense of the time and place or what the Beatles were doing yeah. at that moment that it. The songs make more sense if you know where they were at that time, right? It just it just sounds a bit like it was an influence. His is more sociological than mine was, though. Okay. Like he's talking about what it was like to grow up in the black and white fifties of rash the rationing, the still rationing from World War II, you know, this very dour, top down world of, you know, the the ruling class still ruled. You were working class. If you're working class, you're working class for life. You know, that's what it was like, you know. And so the Beatles changed all that. You know, when the Beatles started you know, and they they created Swinging London. They created this revolution of a northern, you know, a northerner coming to London and making it big. You know, that was them. You know, they're the they're the creation of that that whole story, of why you know why why does if you listen to a, B, a BBC announcer from nineteen fifties, he sounds totally different than a BBC announcer from nineteen nineteen nineties or the the noughties. You know, because the Beatles were there. That's why the change is. You know, if the Beatles had never existed, people. You know, not talking to the BBC would still sound like someone who went to Harrow or went to Eton or something like that, you know, have this very clipped accent. I mean, George Martin grew up in the East End of London. Listen to him speak. He had to carefully lose that accent and learn to speak in a very clipped, proper, upper class London way or English way of speaking so that he could advance his career, you know? And that's how he advanced. 
because he sounded like someone who was a, went to public school and didn't sound like a barrel boy from the East End of London, which is what he was. Not quite that bad, but not quite that low yeah. in origins, but you know what I mean, right? So, so uh, yeah, so it's really interesting. So when he's talking about the songs and stuff like that, he gives you a real sense of the his history, the, the time, the place, and then his own personal points of view on the songs. And he gives a real personal view of them as well. And uh, it's, it's very good. And what also is good is that he's one of the first writers I read. Uh, there's a book called Beatles Songs, which is an interesting book to read. Uh, and which that guy does is he gives you like, it'll be like out of 10, 8.5 written by John, 1.5 Paul, or 6.5 John, 3.5, you know, and, but he doesn't really tell you what his reasoning is behind how he figures it out. What, what Ian McDonald did was he listened, listened to the music and listens to them post Beatles as well and says, okay, well, Paul brought this to the Beatles. You know, he loved, he loved to jump leap octaves. He had a very up, very up, word element to his music right so everything goes up you know and so it you know so penny lane da, da, you know so it's very bouncy john liked to find a note and just sort of crab wise move around it very so i am he and you are he and that's very john right so not get too carried so when you hear a song that john sings like um everything every little thing you go is john singing a paul song because that is a very octave leapy song so so it might have been mostly written by Paul and he gave it to John because he felt John sang it better or John wrote a very un, unusual song for himself, you know. And so within that kind of criteria that he brings to it, it's it's interesting. So so Paul, and he kind of ignores John's, uh, and a lot of people don't ignore John's own kind of rewriting of the Beatles history uh, from the Rolling Stones interview and the Playboy, the Rolling Stone interview and the Playboy interview. A lot of people take that at face value, whereas John was bringing a very, you know, selfish backwards look and took a lot of credit for stuff he shouldn't have and took away a lot of credit from Paul, you know, and so Paul now sounds like a jerk when he's saying, no, I wrote a lot of in my life. And it was like, well, John said in, you know, the Rolling Stone interview or in the Playboy interview that he wrote most of that song and you didn't. But Paul will say, no, I actually did a lot of work on that song. But he sounds like a jerk, right? Because now he's taking credit away from John instead of getting his own due. So McDonald restored a lot of what was due to McCartney back to him, which I think is really great. So that, I love that book. And then it finishes with a really great kind of what next. So it talks about what the Beatles influenced after them and, um, and kind of, because uh, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if this is from McDonald, but I was thinking about this when we were talking about Abbey Road and we didn't get into it, which was what's interesting about that album is how much it influences the 70s. And it's almost as if once the Beatles stopped, people weren't sure what to do next. So they just kind of duplicated what, what the, the Beatles did an Abbey Road, so create very glossy, very he vocal heavy music. Yeah. You know, so you have Steely Dan and you have the Eagles and you have, um, you know, the Doobie Brothers and all these bands that kind of carry on that very he vocal heavy, very harmonic sound that Abbey Road had for a long time into the 70s because there was no band there to break that, that mold and, you know, because the Beatles are gone. So no one, no one's going to follow John Lennon down, down his primal scream road. No one's going to follow Paul McCartney down his, quirky eccentric ram road you know so they're kind of left with the beatles you know because because paul and john aren't the beatles so they're not going to carry that kind of heavy duty yeah. influence it's going to break you know and change the mold and, and move forward so it's kind of interesting and what mcdonald talks about you know he takes it right up into the 80s 90s this talks about how the beatles influenced music and the changes that music went through with them like some of the changes that rock had on you know the change from pop to rock from rock to whatever we have now it's quite interesting. Very, very good book. And then it has a timeline of the Beatles in the back as well, which I've actually never read because it's 
it's very graph heavy, and I'm not interested in that. But <laughs> read it when you need to go to if, sleep. Sometimes, yeah, if you're interested in those sort of things, it's it's kind of kind of good. The final one is a book called Beetle Gear, and it's a book of uh, about the instruments the Beatles oh, used. Okay. And so it's all uh, what they played and where they got them from and and what albums they were used on and, and things like that. So, for instance, Ken, painter who asked the question about the Beatle books, he asked a question about what bass did Paul play on, on Abbey Road? So someone answered and said he played the Rickenbacker, which is true, but he also played the Hofner bass in there a little bit too because he had taken it out of mothballs for, for Let It Be because he was doing a lot of live stuff and he loved to play that live because it has a small, a narrow neck and allows for some, a lot of action, a lot of easy action on stage. Yeah. It's kind of a noisy thing. But he enjoyed playing it so much that he kind of carried it forward into the Abbey Road sessions and continued to use it there. So that, that's an answer to that. So it's a, so. Oh, it was a double answer you just put there in you there. Go. There you nice. go. Nice. A twofer. So yeah, I like those three books. I, I will carry with me forever. Okay, good. And, uh, and hey, again, this doesn't have to be a one-way street. If you want to go to our website, sneakydragon.com, I'm saying it like it's a telethon at this point. Uh, but uh, list uh, your favorite Beatle books. Maybe it'll be something Dave won't have already read. It probably won't. <laughs> He'll probably have read it. But it's uh, you know it's uh, good for a trip to the library or a trip to the old uh, you know bookstore. All right. Uh, next now, question. Question number six. Uh, current stuff that might be introducing young people to the Beatles, such as Across the Universe and Beatles Rock Band. And this comes from our friend Nina, Nina Matsumoto, asked okay. this question. Comic book artist. Uh, Extraordinaire. And a t-shirt designer. designer. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, that's a good, that's a good point. It's like, what is, uh, what is hooking young people on the Beatles today? Where would they, aside from walking into any store and the music is mm-hmm. playing? I mean, I think that's actually one of the, one of the problems nowadays is, uh, as, as a, as a young person, you're, heck, even me, you know, when I was growing up, I was so saturated with the Beatles, but not yeah. as in a you're sitting down listening to an album. It's yeah. just you walk into the mall, it's, the radio, it's playing, it's, yeah. you're in an elevator, it's going up with you. It so saturates the cult, the culture, it's like it's like uh, white noise in the background. I was once going to the washroom at a hotel and it started playing A Day in, in the Life on the music. The music was playing a day in the And life. you had to wait until it was all I done because you had to listen to the whole song. I did because I was curious how it was going to end. <laughs> I was like, are they going to do like a crazy music? Guys, you're pounding freaker? on the door going, no, no, I just it need, was to, a, it was I need a to finish this. It I had many to... stalls, but uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it just ended. That's the answer. It did not, right. it did not go into the free coat. It just ended. Okay. I was a bit sad. Now, both the things uh, Nina mentioned, I'm, I'm a fan of. Okay. Uh, let's, start with, uh, let's start with Across the Universe. I'm not. You're not a fan of Across the Universe? No. Okay. Why is that? I found it kind of boring. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and don't, I don't, and the, it's almost even though it's it, even though it's uh, Beatles songs and Beatles songs are always great. Yeah, but it's sung by people who aren't the Beatles, and they should have called it Auto Tune the Universe because almost everyone's voice in there have that really kind of weird smoothed out Auto Tune sound, which, which is kind of the sound of now. I don't like it. That's fair. I mean, it's not the first time. It's not the first time that the this has happened. I mean, we've had uh, the Bee Gees. Which is weird. Yeah. Now the Bee Gees is that's not great either. Okay, well, well, that's, I'm not disagreeing with you, but we'll get into <laughs> it. I like Across the Universe a lot more. Okay. Um, the Bee Gees one is very weird to me in mm-hmm. that it they put that out like ten years basically after after the Be- like the Beatles yeah. hadn't been broken up for nine ten, ten years. years. Yeah, nine, ten Isn't years. that strange? Just think of a band. I can't even think of a band from like nine years ago that was popular that you go, let's remake those right. with like the most popular band of now. I'm going to yeah. cover their songs. Sure. Why would you ever think of doing that? It's time for that Radiohead movie, everybody. Yeah, it's like if if like Coldplay decided we're just going to do Nirvana, you know. Yeah. Now, why would you? What everyone would just throw up their hands and go ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so that made that made not a lot of sense. Okay. 
Whereas I don't mind the auto tune on this because that is the sound of today. It's like what do what do songs sound like today? They sound like this. Okay, let's then yeah. present the Beatles songs in that way. I like uh, I like Eddie Izzard in there. Uh, I yuck. like a lot of the vi- what's that? Yuck. What was the yuck about that? This can't sing, so it was pretty awful. No, it wasn't. It's more, yeah. it's more of a shouty. Yeah, it was fine. Of the song. No, mm. it was a delightful. It was delightful. Uh, <laughs> and I re- I really enjoyed uh, the the army scenes. I thought I thought that was great. Hmm. You know, visually, did, visually, the "I want you" with the Uncle that was, Sam that was interesting. Reaching out, yeah, different reading of the song, and I, I like the "She's so heavy, they're carrying the Statue of Liberty yeah. through the fields of Vietnam." Yeah, that was interesting. I thought that was good, but yeah, I, I got kind of bored. I actually turned it off before it was done, and not like half an hour into it, but yeah, fifty minutes near the end, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know okay. if it was fifty minutes near the end. He was back in Liverpool, fair enough, and uh, he's talking to uh, his previous girlfriend. That's just kind of. Mm. That is all I'll right. Finish. I will finish it. I just had other things to do. So, but I mean, we were discussing with the that your least favorite of the Beatles movies was Yellow Submarine, mm-hmm. and it was because even though it's the Beatles music, it's not the Beatles yeah. singing singing it. So even in no, no, the, it's them singing. Oh, it, it is but singing it, but yeah. it's not the Beatles uh, acting as the Beatles, yeah. and it's not the yeah right. Yeah. So it's someone doing a cover of the of the even yeah. this doesn't even have that. It doesn't even have the actual Beatles. Yeah. It's just got the music. It's one removed from that. Yeah. So I could see how it wouldn't be up your alley. But I think it's a it is a nice way to introduce uh, people to to that. And I I thought the film I I, I would give the film like about a, a a B. And I like the effort of the weirdness of some of the visual stuff yeah. that they put into it. I, that was pretty. I just thought it was the story was a bit cliched for me. And I did like the visuals. I thought the the uh, set design and stuff was really well done. Like I thought they really got they really brought home the how it's hard for us to remember how kind of dirty and squalid things you know. Like how dirty the past was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we live in a very antiseptic time now, and in the past, people lived in, in terrible filth. With this, they just seem fine with it, which is interesting, you know. Like, like nowadays, if you if you went back in time to that time period, you would feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. everywhere you went. You would just feel like I need a bath. <laughs> I really need a bath. And when you saw the bath water, you'd say, "I need a bath from my bath." <laughs> so, yeah, that is that could be true. Now that's to rock band, which uh, I really like. I'm not going to put down Rock Band. I really like Rock, the now, there's rock a th- Band. Now, it was interesting when the Beatles uh, were coming out. When it was the the Beatles Rock Band, they had the announcement for it. They mm-hmm. had Paul and Ringo, you know, came out. And and, and it was one of the most, it was pretty awkward. Like, uh, it was like, here's Paul and Ringo. And they come out and they're waving and everyone's going crazy. And it's like, oh, it's Paul and Ringo. And it seemed like they did not know. You know, it was just like, they, you know, that we're, we're here. Yeah. This is a thing we approved of. Yeah, right. Hope you enjoy. It was almost a Krusty the Clown going, yeah. I endorse this product. Or a venue. <laughs> and goodbye. And off you go. And yeah. people now, to this day, pester both of them about, like, how do you do on Beatles Rock Band? To the point where there's a thing on YouTube where Ringo keeps going, I can't I can't play along with it. It's oh. uh, it's wrong beats yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, you know what? I played the original songs. So there. I win. <laughs> you know? So don't get on my back about yeah, it. Yeah. But he likes the graphics. Sure. And if you look at, even if you're not a video game fan, I would advise you to go onto YouTube and see the opening credits of it. It really does capture uh, the flavor of the Beatles in a really mm. beautiful way. The animation yeah. style is gorgeous. It's fun. The second you see uh, them drinking tea and on the on the on on the head of the elephant yeah. walking, oh, it's just it's it's beautiful. And if you do play through the whole game, the ending is also it'll touch your is heart. That right? I never have. I've only done bits and pieces of it the time that I sang the entire <laughs> Abbey Road medley unexpectedly when we were playing together. It's very fun, yeah. Mm. If you are a musician, sometimes rock band is counterintuitive and will mm-hmm. uh, mess you up. But uh, playing the drums especially, very, very fun on that. 
And it's a nice way, yeah, to introduce like people to, uh, to the music. Yeah. Uh, something I've mentioned a couple of times on the show is, uh, is the film All Together Now, which is a documentary about Cirque's, uh, production of Love. Okay. And, uh, you have not seen that yet. I have not. I think you will enjoy that, uh, quite a bit because it is the actual Beatles and mm-hmm. George Martin. And it's, it's using like the, the, it, it was George Martin doing what George Martin does well, yeah. which is taking, uh, the old tracks and unused tracks mm-hmm. and mixing things together and, and creating something, you know, while not completely new, something that does feel new. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's, it's very true to what the Beatles is, but it, uh, but uh, with a, with a nice new element. And it's, it's, it's cool in the documentary to see that those rivalries and the weird things and some of the pettiness is still there. Yeah. And it's nice because you kind of elevate everyone to sainthood. And then <laughs> yeah. when you see someone who's like, Hey, he's still, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you think like at a certain point you just go, well, I did it. I'm fine. Just cruising. Who cares? Everything's great. Nope. Everyone's still who they are. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I'm sorry, who's, who's, what's the name of George's, uh, widow again? Olivia. Yeah. Both of her and, uh, Yoko are there speaking for their, and they're both doing the old, I don't think John's got enough songs in this. Well, I don't think George was represented enough. Well, I don't think, you know, I think mm-hmm. you're getting a little too much Paul here. Why is Ringo so much over here? And Ringo's like, you know, Ringo's <laughs> kind of happy because they've really upped the Ringo in this. Uh, it's, it's, nice. it's great. And they show some really nice old clips of the Beatles and really go over their history while trying to create this new thing. And it, it really humanizes mm-hmm. also all of them. And it's nice to see that like in, to go like, to, it takes it out of the past and puts it now. And you can see they all still give a damn yeah. about all this. And it's all still important to them. And it's not like that was in my past. It's, it, there's some moments there where it feels like when Paul's talking that it feels kind of now and it's, uh, it, it, it's nice. It makes it feel re- relevant. Yeah. Yeah. With, with my daughters, I never, I never uh, forced them to listen to the Beatles. I never played the Beatles that much when they were growing up. Partly because I didn't want them to have what I had, which was the Beatles as wallpaper, which is how we grew up with the Beatles as a constant presence mm-hmm. on the radio and, and everywhere. So, you know, hearing a Beatles song would be interesting to them, you know, because it would be something they never heard before. My oldest daughter is not that interested in the Beatles. She's not, doesn't really care for them. But my youngest daughter went through a huge Beatles phase at the proper time in her life, which is your preteens. That's usually when you go through a huge Beatles phase and then you'll kind of work out of it. You'll go, you'll listen to more contemporary music. But for some reason, for some, mo- in that moment in your life, they really speak to us. Maybe because they sing songs of love, but in a very, uh, honest, but, but, uh, safe feeling way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got a different theory on them too. Okay. Which is that's about the time that like uh, you start to like things like Mad Magazine. And that's the time where it's like there's society and it seems, you know, these are the people kind of poking holes in it. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. they know what they're doing and they're doing it very well. And yeah. in Mad's case, they're being funny. But in these guys' case, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're going, you don't have to, it's okay. You don't have to take it seriously. The world's going to be okay. And they're, and they're, uh, they're dealing with things that are confusing to you at that age and just going, it's all right. You know, we're along for the ride with you. And yeah, this part is kind of stupid and we're going to be goofy while we're doing it. And then we're going to be really serious and then we're going to do this. And it's nice. It's nice to have them, you yeah, know, it's interesting. as your wingmen. For sure. And, uh, so I'm not sure how my youngest daughter became interested in them because, like I said, I never forced her to listen to them. So she kind of came around to it on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, my nephew, Got into them because of rock band, though, because my brother bought Beatles rock band for a Game Boy or Games or what is it called? Game Xbox? Xbox. You can, yeah, Xbox. Game Station. X- Game Cube. X Cube. <laughs> bought it for Xbox and they played it a lot. And I went over there and played it a few times. 
which my brother loved because I was really good at guitar at that time with playing a uh, guitar hero. So he's like, I can't believe how well we're doing. <laughs> I guess when he was playing with his kids or with his wife, they didn't do very well. So he was so happy. But, uh, and yeah. did you sing along as well? I did some Yeah, it's nice. Well. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. The one song I've never got to sing along and I've always wanted to is Long and Winding Road. Okay. So that's a, a song I really like and I always like to sing along. Oh, with we can it, put so. it on YouTube afterwards and we can have a little sing song. Sure, we can do that. <laughs> We do that after. Now, I think like when you're saying how, and I don't want to psychoanalyze anybody, but let's say in the case of your daughter, your daughter's got a really good sense of humor. And I think like when you've got a sense of humor, you're able to see things as they are and you're able to see things at a second level mm-hmm. at the same time. And uh, and that's what you can do with like a Beatles song too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's probably true. As someone who liked Mad Magazine and stuff like that too as a kid. So the Beatles probably spoke to that. And the first song I loved by them was, uh, you know my name, look up the number. Oh, is that, that right? That was the very first song I ever heard that I just went, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So, yeah. That's mine, was, that... uh, mine was Yellow Submarine just because that was played so much and I could mm-hmm. actually sing along to it. Sure. And, it was, and, and the cartoon played so much that, you know, and it kind of was like that forbidden, freaky, weird thing that maybe I shouldn't be watching. <laughs> All right. Good answer. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to top that answer. Nope. Except... Someone's written to us and asked us do we know to the, do their name? the impossible. We don't. It's their uh, Twitter handle is at StatPack. Hi, at StatPack. So thank you, at StatPack, for right. this question, which was the most painful question I've ever been asked in my life, which was to rank my children in importance. No, rank the Beatles albums and the Beatles. Do you want to start? Okay. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing like... Oh, wait. No, there's a different question. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. We can do them in different orders. Uh, there's no reason this has to be chronological. Is that correct? Uh, no. I missed a question. Let's, okay. let's do this one. Let's We're do this go one back. first. We'll do this By the way, first. in your heads, you can like think about yeah, this Yeah, think now. about this for a minute because it's really hard. But this is a different one. This is also pretty tricky. This was from Paul Carolan. He, he wrote this question and he asked us to compile a personal greatest hits album with one song from each album. And one non-single. Okay, just so one, one non-album single, like so. Not sorry, not non-single, non-album single. So oh, one that has not been on any of the. One, oh, well, yeah. I don't know if I was able to do that okay. part then, because uh, I think it did appear on one of the albums. But uh, do you want to go like, we'll do each no, album. No, you just do yours and then I'll do mine. Oh, I'm gonna do all mine in yep. a row. Yeah. All right. So uh, with the Beatles, I'd say, uh, do you want to know a secret? Okay. I like that song uh, quite a bit. Hard Day's Night. Uh, I got to go with a Hard Day's Night. Wait. That, sorry. Go do on. you want to know a secret? Isn't that from Please Please Me? Am I not wrong? Oh, yeah. Please, please me. You're right. Okay. So then okay. with the Beatles would be uh, the next one. Then I got that one wrong. I missed that one. Okay. All right. Then we're going to Hard Day's Night. And that's a Hard Day's Night. If For no other reason than the opening chord. Okay. Like yeah. just in the opening chord, sure. that's enough. Great. Okay. Beatles for sale. Uh, boy, that's a tough one. It's either uh, eight days a week or everybody's trying to be my baby. I'm going to go eight days a week. Good song. Uh, help. Uh, this one is one of my favorite songs. That's I've Just Seen a Face. Okay. I love that song. I'm just crazy with that song. Uh, <laughs> Rubber Soul, uh, Nowhere a Man. Okay. That's just nice and deep and weird and sure. great. Uh, Revolver, uh, don't know how you do better than Eleanor Rigby. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergeant Pepper, aside from the title track, which seems the obvious, uh, I'm going to go Good Morning, Good Morning. Okay. I really like that one, which you, you will also uh, see on one episode of The Monkees. There, there's a little bit of trivia for you. <laughs> uh, Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah, well, we're going to do All You Need Is Love. I'm going to be boring on that one, but it's <laughs> such a, okay. you know. Uh, the Be- uh, the Beatles, uh, Helter Skelter. I know I was like uh, hanging by myself on that one when we talked about that before, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, that's a fantastic song that goes all over the place. Interesting choice. Uh, Yellow Submarine. Uh, Yellow Submarine. Um, <laughs> Let It Be. Uh, boy, this is a tough one too. Yeah, I mean, Get Back is so amazing. It's just such a an amazing, amazing song, yeah. especially when you see it live. 
Across the Universe, though, is so deep and rich and flowy. I'm going to go with Get Back, but uh, uh, Across the Universe is, uh, you know, is coming along. Abbey Road, uh, I will go on that one with uh, Come Together. Cool. I love Come Together. And uh, it was a single, but it, I'm sure it was on one of the albums, but Lady Madonna was what I put down for that one. Yep. Right. No, it wasn't an album. It wasn't? It's, it's an unalbum single. Woo! Yeah, did it. I only missed one there. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, but I, yeah. did, I did too. I forgot Yellow Submarine. I feel really embarrassed. Because okay. what I did was I, I I made it to 14 songs by doing two songs from the White Album. By just saying, well, there's oh, two albums, so okay. I would take one song from each album. All right. But I left out Yellow what Submarine. What a cheeky boy you are. Oh, that, All right. I, I left out. Hmm. All right, let's go through. Because what I did was I, I made mine into a true mixtape. So uh-huh. I made a mixtape. I didn't just take one song and... and Chronicle Order, I put them together into like a, a flowing album with side one and side two. Okay. So it starts with I Saw Her Standing There, Please Please Me. The next song would be Glass Onion from The Beatles. Yeah, I'm very close with that one. The next song would be All I've Got to Do from With The Beatles, which I love that song. And it's not one that everyone would choose, but because uh, one thing when I was doing this is I couldn't choose some of my favorite songs because some of my favorite songs are, are side enders. And so, for instance, I, I really wanted to have uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. But it's a side ender. You can't put it in the middle of your your compilation. So, so that one get left off. But okay, uh, from Rubber Soul, if I needed someone mm-hmm. to really like that song because of the chiming kind of birdsian sound to it. Things we said today from a hard day's night. Uh, I'm with you on this one. Eleanor Rigby from Revolver. Mm-hmm. Then I am the Walrus from Magical Mystery Tour. That's a side ender. So side two starts with Two of Us from Let It Be. My single is Strawberry Fields Forever. Then You've Got to Hide Your Love Away from Help. Uh, once again from the Beatles, Travoy, Savoy Truffle. I wanted two George songs in this as well. So those are the two George songs. Uh, after Savoy Truffle is Every Little Thing from Beatles for Sale. And um, after that from Abbey Road, You Never Give Me Your Money. Really? Okay. Right. And then that would, uh, if I was actually mixing this onto a CD or into a tape or whatever, I would have that fade into uh, day, in, uh, day in the Life from Sgt. Pepper. Okay. And that would be the side ender for that one. So if you were dating Dave, this is the mixtape you would have received. That's right. Now, if I had to choose a song from Yellow Submarine, which I didn't do, which the one I would choose would be uh, It's All Too Much would be the song I would choose. Okay. And you would uh, have no choice of the... If you, you were choosing one of the George Martin uh, uh, things, you wouldn't be able to pick one of those just out of your out of your head, huh? I say Sea of Holes. I was listening to them and I went, I really like the Sea of Holes, but I don't think it, it fits in uh in our in our list yeah yeah no it wouldn't yeah it doesn't fit the no you can't you can't do it but if, <laughs> if we were doing it see a holes that's me all right okay. so we're going now we're listing the albums in order of uh okay, of, yeah. of our so favorites we'll, we'll go to stat packs question rank the beatles albums are we going uh lowest to highest or highest to lowest Shh, whichever we want to go i feel bad with the lowest yeah high. i don't look, look let me just let me just straighten this out here and say like i they're think all great well, well, I can say with some, well, no, I don't necessarily agree with that. But uh, what I, what I'm saying is like I don't like ranking art no, at all. Me neither. I don't, you know. And here's the thing: whenever you do a thing where like, what's your favorite album? If you you list an album, and you know what your favorite album is, probably your fourth favorite album. If you list the albums, mm-hmm. realistically, what your your fourth is probably yeah. your favorite. And like, you know, what's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite this? That's I yeah. mean, it's a thing we do, and we're gonna do it now. But take as much salt as you can with your blood pressure yeah. and well, not a, to have trouble. It's the same with the songs that we chose. I mean, if we did this uh, a month from now, we might choose different songs. Yeah. You know, because it's just how you feel, what sounds good to you. Like, I listened to this several times. I made a shuffle. I made a, a playlist of these songs. Yeah. And I listened to it. Uh, I worked today while I was working. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Actually, I had, because I had Dear Prudence instead of Glass Onion. And I didn't like Dear Prudence here, so I took that off. 
And I'd had a different song from Revolver before, and I didn't like how it worked, so I took that one off. And then I changed the order of the songs as well uh, one time. Uh, the first side I had a lot of trouble with. The second side seemed to flow much more easily together, but... Uh, yeah, it's so. tricky. Well, I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna start with number one. I'm gonna go all the way down. And yeah, I mean, even number thirteen, I'm, I got no beef with. It's fine. Okay, number one, I, it's obvious. I know you're not supposed to pick this one, but I'm gonna. Uh, Sergeant Pepper. I'm okay. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick that one. Sure. Uh, I think like as a full album, like connecting, it's got uh, great flow, and I, I love it. Uh, two revolver. There you are. And not just because I had the girlfriend who once told me that it was the greatest one of all time. <laughs> uh, number three, rub, rubber soul. Number four, I'm delighted by help. I, I, that just mm, like that that album just feels like splashing cold water on your face, and it's yeah. just a nice a nice thing in the morning. Uh, number five, let it be. Uh, gonna go number six. Uh, and that would be the white album. Okay, for me, uh, we're not counting like that as two albums. No, no, gotta, like, think, album, All right, so. let's not get silly. Sometimes you get you get really detailed on this kind I of get, stuff, and I it's a thing. Number seven, Abbey Road. Uh, number eight, uh, Yellow Submarine soundtrack. Uh, number nine, Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, number ten, Beatles for Sale. Eleven, Hard Day's Night. Though that's tricky because I really love the song of Hard Day's Night. Uh, number twelve, With the Beatles, and number thirteen, Please Please Me. Sorry, just and uh, Dave is right now writing down all all the same ones I did because <laughs> I was correct. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will also go from top to bottom. Okay. As so called, although this. You could easily flip it, and I would just be as happy with that list as well. Because <laughs> okay. really, this, this is just... North Pole, South Pole, who cares? You like yeah. a, ba- a polar bear, or do you exactly. like a penguin? I like them both. I like them I'm both. happy they both exist. So, I love all these albums, but this is the order that I put them in, and I did this one time, and I did not change my order. Okay. So but you may on the drive home. I would, because whatever. First one, Revolver. Second one, Magical Mystery Tour. Third one, The Beatles. Fourth one, Rubber Soul. Fifth, Beatles for Sale. Sixth, Sergeant Pepper. Seventh, Hard Day's Night. Eight, Abbey Road. Nine, With the Beatles. Ten, Please Please Me. Eleven, Let It Be. Twelve, Help. And thirteen, Yellow Submarine. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, Very I, good. Well, I mean, I've often said Revolver is my favorite album, and it is my yeah, favorite no, album. Yeah, that one I got. Yeah. It's perfect all the way through to me. It's just absolutely, the songs are perfect. And to me, it's a hard album. Sergeant Pepper's the same. It's a hard album to take songs off of and enjoy them out of that context That's true, yeah. because it works as like a whole. And same with Sgt. Pepper. It just, that album, you know, like people will say, well, I don't really like all the songs in Sgt. Pepper. Then you say, but if you listen to the album, you'll absolutely love it as an yeah. experience of listening to it because it just flows so great. So, uh, but still, Sgt. Pepper kind of came low on my list just because I, I just kind of feel kind of worn out by it. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite albums as a, as a teenager. And so, you know, and it may float back thing. to yeah, the top exactly. again in the future. And you know what? Again, like you say, it's interesting you, you mentioned it's like choosing your your favorite child. Yeah. You wouldn't do that because that's ridiculous. And it feels like just really to me, it's ridiculous to do this anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. what What I would say is an interesting thing, and I, I can't really do it right now because I have not picked uh, uh, picked these in advance. But it'd be interesting to know, like, if you're trying to hook somebody on the Beatles, what's the first Beatles album that you would give them? Uh, it would be Revolver for me. Really? You don't yeah. think that's too intense? No, I think it's their most accessible. And I'd say Sgt. Pepper is the most accessible because it really, it actually leads you in. Yeah. You know, and then there's the, you know, get by with a little help from my friends is a real nice, gentle, oh, mm-hmm. I'm on board. And then we kind of go into crazy town by the end. Yeah. You know, so it, ta- it takes you on it's... like a nice emotional journey. Revolver is a, is a real mix em up, though. Do you think people would be comfortable listening to that as their first? Exposure to the Beatles? I just think it has the strongest set of songs. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like I think in terms of a listening experience, it's, 
you know, if you if you want, you know, if you're just giving someone, this is the best. I'm going to give you the best. No, you're not giving them the best. You're giving them. You're trying to like uh, get them hooked on the Beatles. Oh, okay. You know, what would yeah. you what would you what would you give them the the first one? I mean, Revolver. I you could. Re- I still think Revolver. The problem yeah. the problem with Revolver then is where do you go? Like, so mm-hmm. so I, I I enjoyed Revolver. Right. I want to hear more of this. Well, okay. Well, you you've heard probably the best one. Uh, but let's just hear okay. the rest. Well, let me. All... I'll change my answer. Then I'll say Rubber Soul. Okay. Rubber Soul. Davis flip-flopped. He's now on Rubber Soul. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then Magical Mystery Tour, well, it's got Strawberry Fields and I Am the Walrus on it. So yeah. it has to go Yeah, I Am me. the Walrus might not be your first, the first one that you give people no. right off the get-go. No. Yeah, that's a lot of wasabi to give someone right <laughs> off the top. A lot of horseradish. But love it. The Beatles, you know, the rest of them I can kind of go back and forth on. I, I could mix it up any which way. And it would count on the person who you're, mm-hmm. uh, who you're trying to yeah. hook on. Uh, yeah. could, could you tell me, like, uh, when your daughter got hooked on the Beatles, do, do you know what was the it first w- thing that she got hooked on? Well, she really liked the early stuff. Yeah. Well, that's what she That's what she liked. Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Help. And in fact, Help is her favorite film. Is her favorite Beatles film. Okay. Which is interesting. Because no, it would no, be I my could, choice, but she loves that film. Yeah, I can also see that. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a young person, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's got a lot of uh, good fun running lots around. lots of them goofy. in it and, and running around. And, and good yeah. songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it yeah. makes sense. Also, was she? A f- oh, let me ask you this question: Was she a fan of the monkeys before she was a fan of the Beatles? No. Okay, so there wasn't a lot of monkeys playing in the there house. There was monkeys in the house, but once again, I don't think that there wasn't something that she glommed onto. Well, I would be thinking like, I mean, she's I, not as she's not as musical as her older sister. Like, yeah, my old my oldest daughter is much more her own person, likes her own kind of music, and and explores more. Whereas my youngest daughter is just kind of like you know. Whatever. Yeah, when I was a kid, the monkeys played a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot. So uh, when I when I saw Help, which actually was just recently, like it was, oh, I could see how if I was yeah. a fan of the monkeys, yeah. have you seen this movie Help? Oh, geez, that's something. Whereas if you go like, hey, the monkeys did a movie. Oh, I bet I, bet I know what that'll be like. <laughs> and you expect it to be like Help. No, it's this movie called Head. Yeah. What the what? <laughs> I would expect that to be what the Beatles would have done. Yeah. So this is all crazy bananas. <laughs> If the Beatles had been interested in doing that, they would have. Um, for me, Help is down on the list because, not because of the song. The Beatles songs on there are great. It's just that I have such a hard time with the covers that they do on there. <laughs> They're going to say the cover of the album. No, no, You the hate cover, Semaphore the so cover, much. The cover's great. You can't get past the cover's it. cover's great. But no, it's just all the covers because I just feel like, yeah. you know, the Beatles are way out in outer space and all these songs are still stuck back down on Earth. Sure. And it's just a hard... Tra- it's, it's a, a transitional transition. uh, album for sure yeah and i just have a hard time with that album in that way like i love so many songs in there but so it just you know i still love it and again these kind That's of debates thing. are does a strawberry taste good <laughs> yeah. i say yes i say sort of Who's delicious your favorite child i say great yeah though really if you're going to pick your favorite child which so one would be you can t- you can tell us off the air <laughs> so now you have to rank the beatles themselves I have to rank the Beatles. Yeah. Now, what am I ranking them as? As your favorite, musicians? Your favorite Beatle? Oh, just my favorite. Yeah. Would this be like I'd like to hang out with them? Sure, whatever. All right. If I'm, I'm going to hang out with a Beatle. Uh, all right. This is just me hanging out with the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, number one, I'm going to go Paul. Number two, uh, uh, Ringo, uh, then George, then John. I would go, hmm. You kind of changed the way I was thinking about it. No, no you can go with no, no, the musician. No, no, that's fine. I like, I, like how, I like how you did it. Uh, who would I want to hang out with? I think George. George, Paul. No, George, John, Paul, and Ringo. Okay. Yeah. I know. I uh, think John John would be an interesting person to talk to. Paul, Paul, to me, if you met Paul, it would be interesting to know Paul for a long time. But Paul presents himself very carefully. You always feel like he's, he's a very guarded person and he has a particular way of presenting himself. Paul feels to me like whenever I see Paul interviewed, if you interview him for long enough, Paul's still hungry. 
Yeah. Paul hasn't Paul hasn't had enough of the dinner table yet. <laughs> okay. Paul still wants more. Yeah. And that kind of guy is interesting to me. It's not someone who feels like he's done yeah. and wants to talk about the past. He'll talk about the past. But it feels like he's still interested in what's coming up next and what's going on and what's happening and, and, and you know, advancements in music and what's the new music yeah. and stuff. And yeah, that to me is interesting. I like that kind of guy. You know? I just like George because he has such a great sense of humor. There's, I'm all for I'm all for sense of humor. They all seem to have a pretty good a sense of humor. There's a great story of him uh, installing these big uh, kind of like obelisks in his garden at his at Friar Park, and uh, it was Sir Francis Crisp, by the way. I remember that when I was Sir Frankie Crisp, which is a song by. Anyway, so um, yeah, he had this big obelisk put in his garden, and uh, Ringo Starr was visiting. And he's like, "Oh, what are these?" And he goes, "Oh, the record company gave me these." Didn't you get one? They gave it to him. <laughs> and Ringo started getting all kind of upset <laughs> at this idea that George was given these obelisks and Ringo didn't yeah. go, didn't he? I want a giant rock. Just stuff like that is fun. I, uh, I just think he had a really kind of sort of a sly sense of humor that and again, he's, he's just, one of those quiet people that's kind of has the uh, kind of the little... Yeah, and he's the reason subversive. we got like those Python films, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful to him for those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the ring, the Ringo thing, uh, I guess, is like, uh, I do know someone who met him once and he was really sweet and, uh, but like not sweet as in, yeah, not like fakey sweet. Yeah. It was just like, just casually, uh, it got mentioned that this person who I know was in a band and, uh, he asked, he was sincerely interested in music, you know, and so he was like, yeah. oh, what type of band? Oh, we're doing this kind of music, mm-hmm. but we're trying to do a mix of this. And I forget what two types. It was like, oh, that sounds interesting. You got a, you got a, a, a cassette of that going on? I'm like, yeah, I do. I got one on me. And he's like handing it to him. Well, let's put it on. It's like, and so they put it on at the party and Ringo's listening to it. And he's like, okay, so here's what you're doing with the drums there. And he's doing them with his fingers. He's got, now here's what you want to do. And he was giving him some tips and it's just like, ha, ha, ha. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was just like, he uh, he just became a musician jamming with someone on sure. you know and it's just really sweet to hear that and just go like oh yeah they still are who they are mm-hmm. that's that's the base of it and there's the fame but you can't be f- fame all the all the damn time yeah you know so that's that's good the problem with picking a favorite beetle or whatever is you know the beatles were a composite of four people mm-hmm. you know and without one of those people they wouldn't have existed as we know them yeah it's a balance and that's for sure. ringo too you know, the fact that they, they threw out uh, that poor guy whose name Pete is... Pete Best. Pete Best. How did I forget that? They threw out Pete Best. You know, it's unfortunate, but he wasn't very good. He wasn't a good drummer. You know, he didn't add anything to the band. Yeah, we don't know who uh, what he would have added over time. You'll never mm, know. Well, but we, we know that... Well, There's we, an Earth 2 somewhere where, yeah, you know, there the, we go. The, the Beatles didn't make it. But, yeah, uh, they changed their name to the Besties. The Besties. And uh, went on to <laughs> and, something. Uh, you know, whereas Ringo brought an incredible musicianship as, you know, as a drummer and someone intuitively rhythmic and this very, you know, really interesting style and not just a style, many styles that he brought over time. And same with George, you know, both of them are really good musicians who subsume themselves into this kind of collective, you know, and didn't, weren't flashy, but were very, very talented, you know, like there's stories of George learning to play the guitar where his fingers were bleeding from the repetitive, you know, you know, trying to learn these riffs and stuff like that, you know, so he cared deeply about playing and he was a really good musician. But when you listen to him in the Beatles, it doesn't, he doesn't stand out that much. And that was what he'd wanted. He didn't want to stand out. He wanted to be part of this, this kind of whole thing, this kind of synthesis of all four of them. And, you know, there's an interesting article in the Atlantic called The Power of Two, talking about uh, John and Paul's relationship, which was important as the songwriters and the band and stuff like that. But as a group, there was a power of four that was important, you know, because all of them brought their arranging skills and their intuitive understanding of how music works into this unit, you know. 
So it's very interesting. And so I have a lot of trouble with the idea of ranking them and things there's, like that. There's also, I was, uh, I was listening to, um, uh, it was a, it was a writing, uh, podcast recently. And they were talking about, uh, four archetypes that you get in most plays and sit, like mostly comedies, but sure. you also dramas. Uh, and it's, it's just a dynamic that plays out over and over and over. And it really does work as well for the Beatles. And the archetypes are, uh, the maternal figure, the paternal figure, the inventor, and the clown. You'll get those repeated over and over again in dramas. And in the Beatles, the maternal figure is Paul, the paternal figure is John, the inventor is George, and the clown is Ringo. Hmm. You know, and so dynamically, you can fit, like, when you see these, when you see these almost like archetypes, you know, as a, as a young person, you're like, I get it. I get all of them. I get who well, they are. They, but, they fake yeah. it now with boy bands where it's like, this person's the bad boy. This yeah. person's the charming guy. This guy is, yeah, you know, this. No, that's true. The Beatles did it naturally. It's interesting. We talked, we talked a little bit about it in the movie show, but I do think our, our opinion of the Beatles is shaped by their public personas as shown to us in the movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's not who they really were. You know, Paul wasn't, isn't really a cheery, cheeky chappy no. with his thumbs aloft. Cause if he was, he wouldn't be as wealthy as he is or as successful as he is. There's a kind of a ruthless ambition to him as well that yeah. cuts through that friendly person. Like I say, he's still hungry. Very hungry. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and same with all of them. George is the inventor. Paul's the inventor. John was the inventor. They all mm-hmm. were innovative in different ways and at different times in their careers. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting archetype, but you know, I think it's just our outsider view of them. You know, we can't see the them as people. It's hard to see people as people because yep. they come to us as these sort of ready-mades. So it's interesting. Do you know what's interesting? Uh, it's interesting about all of them too. And sadly, again, like two of them aren't with us. But none of them uh, after none of them went through a, a horrible, horrible time. As in, like, oh, did you hear what they did? This horrible, horrible thing. You know, they're all they're all still okay. You know, they all went on and still were themselves. Yeah. You know, there wasn't. A, and then this guy. Uh, terrible terrible no you know anything terrible just happened was you know to them sadly sure or you know what have you but yeah they're all they all seem just generally good people that just keep <laughs> and that's that's nice it, yeah it's true you know well i think their upbringing with you know maybe they even became more grounded. of themselves you yeah. know as they got as they got older yeah i mean john may have uh bridled under his aunt mimi's you know very prim and proper upbringing of him trying to keep him from being his his father you know and kind of running going off the rails but you know i think her lesson certainly stuck to him to some degree that you know kept him you know as much in the straight and narrow as he could be yeah. with his personality type and who he was you know let me ask you a question this is this is about you okay like when you when we started doing this this was your idea let's just say right off the bat right this was the show was your idea yeah the the you history said, of this was we were looking at uh ways to kind of publicize Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. And it was like, we were going to do a spinoff podcast. And, and my initial idea, and we recorded two of these, and probably uh, I will do these in the future, were to do one about improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I thought, well, you're, you're very passionate about the Beatles. That would be like kind of an easy fix. And also people like the Beatles, so yeah. we could like easily connect to mm-hmm. that. Sure. And my, my kind of, I don't want to say sleazy, <laughs> but, my marketing thing was yeah. if we just name the episodes after the albums, uh, when people look for the albums, I know on, on iTunes, our podcast will come up as well. You look for Please oh. Please Me, mm. uh, you see, uh, the album comes up and then directly underneath, there's us. Huh. And I'm like, oh, maybe that was, someone. That was clever of you. Well, because ours is there and it's free. And it's like, sure. well, I bought the album. I might as well get the podcast as well. Click, click. Yeah. And when you look up the Beatles, we come up as well. Sure. So that well, was, that was kind of the gimmick. And I, I felt you could probably fill you know, a certain amount of uh, time and we set ourselves up 
you know, with what we're going to do, a nice tight hour every uh, every sure. week, and we're we not ever going to go longer than that. We certainly kept to that. We're going to uh, probably put some clips of the music in. If we can't, we're just going to get them from the iTunes, like, you know, sample thing. We're going to do that, and this is the way it's going to be, and then life happens, and it goes its own direction. <laughs> but uh, what was your question to me? Well, when we came into it, you would I would say you you have said you're not as big a Beatle fan as me. Mm-hmm. You're probably unfamiliar with a lot of the music that we Yeah, a lot of to. times I would hear, at least once an album, with the exception of maybe Sgt. Pepper's, uh, I, I, I've like, there's a new song on every album that I yeah. really haven't heard before. Do you feel like you have a better appreciation of them as a group than what you came in with to the, to the show with? or uh, I have a better appreciation of, uh, I think, what they went through and the growth. I, I really admire uh, the growth. Yeah. You know, and when, and what, like you're saying, with help, when I when they start doing covers, it's frustrating. Yeah. When you see anything where it's like a pullback or a safety, mm-hmm. or they're going to that, it's just like, oh, come on, no, no, no. And there's a bit of me that you know, knowing the end of the story, goes, you've got a limited amount of time. <laughs> you've got to do all the innovation you can now because I know you guys are going to break up because this doesn't go on forever. Which, frankly, to any artists out there or anyone, none of this goes on forever. Yeah. You might as well do it now. <laughs> yeah, you better yeah. as well do this innovation. Yeah. And the thing don't, that don't hold back your your really great novel for your second novel. That's right. Put your greatest novel first. Your yeah. greatest song first. And you know, yeah. if it's a little weird, that's fine too. Yeah. I mean, that's the other nice thing that I like about the Beatles is uh, there's weird stuff on every album. Mm-hmm. There's a there's something that maybe doesn't fit, but it does sure. fit. Yeah. You know, it's that weird thing that helps flavor the whole thing and make it you know what it is and i and as we've discussed before i can't think of any other bands that have evolved so quickly you yeah. look at like a band once again look at a band that's popular now from like 10 years ago or something like radiohead nothing against radiohead but radiohead is radiohead and they've grown a bit but they haven't completely changed like every album to yeah. holy cow yeah maybe there's someone maybe someone like prince you could maybe go like you know there's there's you know constant innovation and there are people like that s- still you know i don't want to uh lock the past in amber and go mm-hmm. it will ne'er have this again <laughs> you know uh but yeah no i i do appreciate i do appreciate uh them as artists yeah you know uh more than i did you know, when I started. Sure. And it's uh, been inspiring uh, with that. Again, just it just feel like uh, do your thing now and <laughs> yeah. just keep doing yeah. it. And uh, and it's frustrating when you when you hear stories that you're telling about like petty things, mm. you know, and just go, ah, that's such a such a waste of your time. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares that you want to do that? But yeah. it, a bit of, you know, what makes you petty, you know, might be, you know, at least at the beginning, what what motivates you. That's it. And like Paul said one time, it was like we were, we were working in a bell factory and we could no longer hear the ringing of the bells, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what the Beatles were like. You know, once once it becomes habit, once it becomes custom, it's hard to appreciate what you're what's happening or what you have, you know, so mm-hmm. it is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you're ignoring like, yeah, the, the screams of fame around you, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that must be like a white noise that you can't turn off and you've got to be constantly aware of. You know, it's like. You walk out the wrong door and uh, madness, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though I feel like it's nice nowadays where, you know, they could probably walk on the street and be okay, I guess. I hope so. I'd like to think that. I think, well, I think, I think Ringo Starr could go uh, to the market and just give a couple of hellos. Ringo probably, Paul still has a, probably has a minder nearby. Yeah, could be. Keep people from getting too carried away. Um, did you have some questions? You said you had questions for me, so I didn't want to... Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, uh, I guess my questions, uh, for, are we out of questions from the listeners? Yeah, we're right all with questions. Okay. That's why I asked. Uh, my questions for you would be, uh, what's the first, uh, full Beatles album that you remember, uh, listening to? Sgt. Pepper. 
Yeah? Yeah. And and where did you get that from? Well, my friend, I had a friend who, uh, his stepfather was uh, British. He'd been a British Bobby before he'd moved to Canada and started uh, becoming, becoming a businessman. And uh, he had the... He had the Red and the Blue album, and he had Sgt. Pepper. And I really liked Sgt. Pepper at that age, and I would listen to it a lot. When we went over to to his, his house, I would almost always put Sgt. Pepper on just to hear a little bit of it anyway. And I also enjoyed the Red and the Blue album quite a bit, but I really liked Sgt. Pepper. And that was the first album like I listened to all the way through of the Beatles. Yeah. And I liked the Beatles a lot, but what's interesting is, that, like, I went, you know, in those days, you just couldn't, you didn't have money. Yeah. And you couldn't get free things like you can get now. So you would had to have money to go to the store and buy a record. So you'd go and you'd look at the Beatles albums, and there was like a jillion of them. It's one of those things where, because there are so many American albums, you know, you would be looking through Beatles 4 and yeah. something else, and the hell, and you just didn't know what to get. Yeah, you'd be at the record store, and it was like a full section mm-hmm. of them that would just go back forever yeah. to where your little arms couldn't reach. And you'd be like, well, what do I buy? And it's, it's hard because you've marshaled your precious money yeah. to buy this album. And that's your one album you're going to buy. And what, what do I get? You know, and so you might not even buy it at all. So really, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't buy a Beatles album for a long time. What I, I went to the library and I found a Beatlemania album. Okay. And I didn't know what it was. So I just brought it home and listened to Beatlemania. Now, what was that? Beatlemania was a group of Beatles impersonators. They did a live show. I actually went and saw them here in town. They played at the, I think at the Queenie here in Vancouver. And I went and saw them do a live Beatles. So they would do like the, the early Beatles and I don't know if I don't know if they change act, changed performers during it, or they just put wigs on or something like that. But they did like early Beatles, and they would do like you know up to whatever Rubber Soul, let's say, and then they would go off, and then they come back after intermission, and then they'd be the they'd be the later Beatles. They'd have long hair and right. mustaches and stuff like that, and then they would do their later stuff. And they did a you know a passable impersonation of the Beatles. But when you're a kid and you get it from the library, you don't know what what you know. You're grade eight. You're like, well, it's a bunch of Beatles songs. This would be pretty good. So I was listening to all these songs, and what's weird is when I first heard the Beatles versions of them, I was kind of like, oh, I don't like this as much. Yeah. Because I was used to the you know. You're the to, kid who drank Tang all the time and then yeah. got fresh squeezed orange juice and yeah. went black. <laughs> black. Yeah. Why is it so gritty? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it took it when I first. It took me a little while uh, to, but my first like, uh, real Beatles experience where it was like this sort of white light went on in my. My brain was hearing, um, I've talked about this before, but was hearing the 45 for We Can Work It Out, um, Day Tripper, which I never heard any of the, either of those songs before. And so to hear them for the very first time, I was in grade eight, that was a real revelation. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, bong, you know, like, wow, this is amazing. I've never heard these songs before ever. And this is, you know, it's fantastic, you know. Now, would you share these with your friends or was that not cool to like uh, the old timey music? I don't think I don't think I had many friends at the time that I shared things with in that right. way. So I was pretty in, I was pretty independent of my musical tastes were pretty independent of everyone. The first records I ever bought were um, Led Zeppelin Four with uh, Stairway to Heaven and blah blah blah, and then the Devo album that had Whip Whip It on it. I okay. bought those at the same time. So I had very odd tastes in music. So they kind of sp- went across the stereo spectrum. From and then I bought XTC's uh, Black Sea the week after that. So I just, you know, I was sort of my own person, and I didn't really have a lot of people I shared musical taste with because I, I, I just odd. I remember uh, a little while ago I paste, I posted uh, an Instagram I took of this compilation cassette I made in the late '80s. I found in a drawer, and so I just took a picture of it. And one of the, my friends wrote and said, "I don't recognize any of these songs," <laughs> and I grew up at this time, you know. And I, I said, well, that was, you know, so if you wanted to, you could be over there somewhere but it was hard to share that taste with people when you yeah. found someone that was interested in the same music that was a real exciting yeah moment. it was a very different era like those of you that are uh young 
Uh, <laughs> it, like we're so interconnected right now and everything is so downloadable instantly yeah. and you'll be able to find it. Like when Dave says to me, there's an obscure single you should listen to. It's on YouTube. And like <laughs> immediately can like, yeah. you know, yeah. there's no, I'm going to get you this special yeah. cut and yeah. here's the this and the that. That's yeah. right. And in a way, it makes it a little less special. And in a way, it makes it good because, you yeah. know, I want to listen to, like say, you want to listen yeah. to all this stuff. No, it's fantastic now that I can uh, just go online and find in places I can find, like, you know, all the pet sound sessions. And I can listen to, you know, all of the Beach Boys, you know, tons of them recording and Brian Wilson directing and, and arranging all, all the pet sound sessions and things. I can hear those. Yeah. I don't have to go through all kinds of devious means and spend $60 buying a four disc set of CDs just so I can hear that and maybe only listen to it once, you know, and I often thought about doing it. I just never had the money to do that. I would often look in the back of yeah. music collecting, you know, the newspapers, gold mine or whatever. And I would look at those and I'd be like, Oh, I wish I had $80 to send off for the sea of tunes, you know, collection of, you know the good vibration sessions or whatever but you know now it's all there for us and even even great. uh now i just remember like going to the record store and like wanting to buy a single and thinking like uh, oh in the future these are going to cost so much and then like now how much is a single 99 cents it's like what the future is cheaper how's this all happened i'm fine with it listen i'm fine with it yeah but that's okay uh another question i had for you um uh over over the course of this have there been any surprises for you in uh, in people's reactions or uh, oh, how, people's uh, reactions? how things have been received? Yeah, like what were your expectations when we when we started this, or did you have any? I didn't really have any expectations to be honest with you. Okay. I was, I'm surprised that we became popular. That's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. You know that we got a lot of listeners. That that was interesting because you know we worked for a long time on Sneaky Dragon. You know, for a relatively well, small number of listeners mm-hmm. who we love dearly. Yeah. But you know, and they're all here tonight. And they're all here tonight. on this one couch. <laughs> no, we did okay with Sneaky Dragon. We did okay. It's fine. I mean, it's like, not, nothing terrible. Honestly, it's like if uh, if we put them all in a room together, yeah. it would be a very crowded, crowded, crowded room, yeah. and most of us would die from uh, being crushed. <laughs> you know, it's fair. Yeah. You know, this. Uh, you know, if we performed weekly in a theater and we had that many people come to see us every week, we would be so happy. But it's so. But it is strange. Like it's a, again, it's part of the weird world that we live in now. Yeah. That we can uh, put our thoughts out there, mm-hmm. and then you know. Uh, I'll say this number thousands of you you know are listening yeah. and uh, and and then the the best part of course is when you tell us your stories yeah. like uh Connie you know like the you know when we were talking about the the girl who's listening on the couch you know in the sitting in her bed listening, in her to, bed, the, listening to the Beatles yeah. and then uh Connie I forget her last Connie name Connie Marino Connie Marino uh or is that, I was that girl I'm like what I just <laughs> blah, that's <laughs> I summoned you. You exist. And then she's telling us, you know, her experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And that's one of the nicest things is people like writing us or actually talking to us in person. And, and everyone should be very jealous because she saw the Beatles live at Dodger Stadium. Oh, man. That is great. Yeah. Hopefully she didn't just dream that. No, she thought. Oh, okay. Well, I think. All right. Nope. I believe her. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, people, uh, some of you have been saying how you listen to this and then you listen to the albums mm. and it's helped you get a deeper appreciation from the albums. And that that's great yeah, to me you know fantastic. i mean any any reaction we've gotten and even you know in the past and recently uh negative reaction you know it's let me tell you the negative reactions i love this is the one i, I love the most mm-hmm. which is this is like uh you know like three episodes deep you know what i hate this element of the show and i'm never listening again cut to 12th episode oh this still makes me <laughs> mad 
and sir, I will never be back. I'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's it's fair. You know, it's okay. You, you, yeah. Everyone's not going to like everything. Yeah. You know, that's totally fine. But I always love I always love the perpetually leaving guy at the party who good day, sir. Uh, anyway, where's the washroom? It's just over there. I said goodbye, and uh, I'm just gonna have a couple of chips over here. <laughs> fair enough. Exactly. Yeah. That's been interesting, and for me. In terms of the Beatles itself, I would have to say my favorite episode was the, the Yellow Submarine episode because I just felt like I learned a, I learned more from that about an album than I learned from any other album. I mostly knew everything that I related mm-hmm. about those other albums, but that, that album, I felt like I really brought. A, I thought I felt like I really kind of I felt like I was that album's uh, you know its uh, advocate. You know, yeah. I was there kind of saying. You know, let's let's give this listen to this fresh air. Yeah, because, that album's getting beat up at school, yeah, and yeah. you're pushing the kids aside, going, "Hey, no, he's pretty cool. Yeah, let's just talk it. about yeah, him. Yeah. Look at his look at his B sides. No, let's talk about those B sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some value here. There's totally some value uh, here. That's one of my favorite shows we did actually. So that and the movie one are my two favorite shows. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I also I also really liked having uh, uh, Jason Dedrick on and David M. It was nice getting uh, other people's perspective. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, the 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 White Album uh, double. Double episode. Uh, I felt like I had run a marathon by the end of that. That one felt really like yeah. we're on a Mobius strip and it was not going to end. And by the time mm-hmm. it ended, it really felt like we've all been through college. You know, you're going to get at the end, you're going to get all the things. Where are they now? Are going to come up and tell us, you know, yeah. uh, what happened. But uh, that was that was very cool mm-hmm. to me. That, fe- that felt like okay, we did something there. That was a lot, but we we got through it all together. And it was nice having both of them on as guests. Sure, yeah, yeah. that was great. Yeah, Jason was great, and David was—I thought was really great. Like he brought a lot to that show. I thought. So you're ranking the two of them. And I am just ranking. Get, oh, that's interesting. Them. And one of them is uh, related to you. Mm-hmm. So you will not rank your children, but you will rank your cousins. To be fair, <laughs> it was pretty early on. Yeah. In the procedure, he hadn't even heard one, so he, he came into pretty cold. Whereas, whereas uh, David had listened, so he knew what he was in for. Mm-hmm. Um, Both well, musicians, I, funny people, but also musicians. So it was nice getting musicians' points of view. That's right. Yeah. So, I th- well, how about at this moment we play, uh, someone sent us a special, I don't know, greeting? Thank you? Sure. How do we describe it? We yeah, well, well, you know what? We can just play it. Play it. And then we can describe it afterwards. Let's play it. All right. Hi, Ian and Dave. Wayne Henderson here from MediaVoiceOvers.com in Southern California. Calling in for your completely Beatles podcast. I wanted to be part of the final episode, if at all possible, because I wanted to thank you, Dave, Ian. Great work on this entire series of Beatles podcasts. My favorite Beatles podcast series ever. You guys knocked it out of the park. The two of you together make a fantastic team, and that's why I've now subscribed to the Sneaky Dragon podcast so that I can continue hearing uh, you guys together podcasting and occasionally throwing in some Beatlesms, I'm hoping. But in either event, completely Beatles, fantastic. I shared it with as many people as I could. Got some more people listening to the show because I really loved it, especially when you started digging into Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, and then Abbey Road, I learned so many great things about the Beatles and those albums. That's just been fantastic. Uh, congratulations again on making a landmark series of podcasts. Truly enjoyed it. As far as my own Beatles memories, I'm 51, and I got into the Beatles. Obviously, it wasn't until they broke up, but it wasn't that long after. I was dropped off with my little brother over at my older brother's wife's parents' house. Uh, long story short... They had a record player, and even though I was only about eight or nine years old, they trusted me to play their record player, and so I'd slap on those big headphones, 
and listen to Sgt. Pepper's and listen to Abbey Road over and over. And sometimes some of the other albums as well. But, you know, I was just a kid, so I went for the, the most popular ones and just loved it. In fact, the first album that I bought with my own money after saving up some allowance, I think I was about nine or ten years old. It was around 1972, 73. I went to JCPenney and bought Abbey Road so I could have my own copy at home with my own money, and of course, hooked ever since. And as far as the Beatles' legacy, undisputed, fantastic stuff. Also love the band Cheap Trick and their Beatles influences. They share in a lot of their music over the years. They do a great job. And so it's not quite the Beatles, but it still rocks, and it's just fantastic. Thanks again. I'm going to let you get back to the final episode of the Completely Beatles podcast, already in progress. Okay, that guy's voice makes ours sound like just the worst. I know, it's like butter. Oh my gosh, that guy I could listen to for forever. And then he professionally like tur- turned it over to us. He really did. He knew exactly, he knew exactly what to do. He made us... Thank okay, you, Wayne. You know what? He both complimented us, yes. but here's what he did. By being so great, he made us look like a couple of schmucks. That's, that's right. Like more than any insult. Like I, <laughs> We've had people insult us as well, yeah. but... Uh, but yeah, that guy really, really put us in our place with those compliments. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, that, that's so nice to hear. That was very nice. I appreciate we it. We appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone who wrote to us and said nice things to us or wrote to us and and uh, you know gave us uh, corrections and yep. asked us questions about things and and corrected me and I corrected them back. That's, that's the best feeling. <laughs> and so that's just been great. I've just loved... Uh, the back and forth with with listeners who have wanted to have wanted to participate in a back and forth. So, thank you to everyone who who you know. And I wish I could name you all, but I would like to name you all. But then I feel like I'll leave people out. So I'm kind of hesitating. and we'd love to take you home with us. We'd love to take you home. Now, uh, here's the thing. And can I just say one other big thank you? Oh, sure, go ahead. Which Shane. is to you because you came up with the idea, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that. And also thank you for putting up with <laughs> putting up with it because. Some of it, I think, is back been a, at you. Some of it has been a bit of a drag, I think, because I have been overly detailed. Even I yeah, am. This is the first episode you went. Hey, hey, you bored? <laughs> I just looked at your face. I know, but it's funny. It's like we've had other discussions in the past. We're like I know. the importance of honesty. It's always important to be honest. I'm like, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm a bit bored, but I'm fine. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm gonna get back on board real soon. I know it's fine with that. I yeah. just, but because um, even I feel it too. Like I'm just kind of like, man, this is so much detail. I hope I'm not killing people out there. This is such an intimate medium that it's okay yeah. to be detailed. Okay. It's absolutely fine. I felt awfully guilty. This is going to well, be another long one, you know? Yeah, that's fair. But I feel guilty every time we do it. No, 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 no. It's, it's, again, people have a choice. They can turn, turn it off anytime they want and listen later. And also thanks for putting up with some of the rough beginnings to the show. Like, you know, when we started, people came to the show with their own expectations. Mm-hmm. You came to the show with your own expectations. You kind of wanted to do like a James Bonding kind of thing where we're going to kind of riff on it and have some fun with it. You might it. want to explain what that is. Oh, James Bonding is a podcast uh, put out by the people, the, the Nerdist, Nerdist people. Yeah. yeah. And it's a kind of very, uh, what would you call it? A very um, subversive, not, you know, it's not a... Um, I know exactly the words you're kind looking of for. Irreverent, irreverent, irreverent. Yeah. yeah, irreverent. Look at the they're James going Bond like uh, each of the James Bond movies, yeah. and that's what kind of inspired me to do this. It was like, yeah. oh, that's nice. Do this category, and you wanted to do kind of an irreverent sort of take on it, and I was game with that. Yeah, because but... you were you were the guy who like knew all the facts. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna do a flippy thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people said no. 
Some people said no. Yeah. Now, uh, there's a bit there's a bit to me that I don't know if I did the right thing with that. Like that I've really pulled back on yeah, that. Yeah. And and here's here's the thing. This is what I always like kind of say is like uh, you get figure skating yeah. and you got the high scores and the low scores. Yeah. And uh, they throw those both away. Yeah. And on internet message boards, all you get are the fives and the ones. Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Can't we some- keep the fives? <laughs> but you have to. Yeah. You got to be careful listening to to that because the people who are just listening yeah. will not write and go like i'm fine with this yeah no one writes and goes i'm okay yeah <laughs> i will see you next yeah, week that's right you yeah. know so you get the extremes so i might have i might have pulled back a bit too much i don't know yeah i don't know yeah, yeah i mean there was times when again we were listing as i say the sound effect library things and i went like we may have gone too far <laughs> we may have crossed the rubicon here yeah 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 I've often felt that. Yeah, and this is the amount of outlets but that were not, in the Abbey Road studio. But you're not sure because you seventeen. Because <laughs> people, you know, people go, "It's not long enough." Yeah. Or I love the facts you bring to the show, and right. so you're like, "I got to give them facts." But you're not and give them facts, right? But you're here in the extreme. Yeah, of course. So you have no, you have know, no idea. I know. And I, you know why? Because this medium it. we're in right now, this is new. Mm. We got no idea. So what we're saying right now is we're doing our best. But I'm going to throw a thank you back to you since you're doing that for the sheer amount of work you've put into this. Oh my gosh, the amount of work, like you could not believe the pages he brings in and the research. It's, it's crazy. The effort you put in was outstanding and, uh, and people do appreciate it and I appreciate it. So Thanks. thank you so much for doing that. Uh, and I want to say Thanks. like, this is not, this, this part of this is over. Yeah. Uh, but it goes on, uh, on our message boards. Dave still exists. I do. Dave will still. Uh, respond to your corrections I and I will still respond to you as well. And that's sneakydragon.com. Mm-hmm. You can do that there. We also have a Facebook page, yeah. uh, with completely Beatles. You go on there on Twitter. We're at sneaky underscore dragon. Uh, as we always say, we have too many ways of you getting in touch with us. <laughs> if you live in Vancouver, that's the nature of our era of age though. Is, yeah. If you live in Vancouver, these. like Dave will uh, talk to you in person, probably. Yes, that's true. If you meet me anywhere. Let's talk about the Beatles. Yeah. I'd love to talk about the Beatles. I can't say enough that if you're having a Beatles festival or something, invite Dave to it to talk. If you've got a podcast that's to do with music or anything, Dave is a charming individual, very handsome man. Uh, invite him on the show for that. And if you uh, miss our voices, uh, we are still doing Sneaky Dragon. We still do Sneaky Dragon. And yep. when the hangover of this show is over, we will bring up the Beatles again. I'm certain there'll be lots of Beatly things to yeah, Beatle We about. just need to get a cold drink of water and walk <laughs> around the block a couple of times. That's right. Because this has been, uh, this has been a, a heck of a ride, but it's been a good ride. It's been so much fun. I've really and enjoyed it. It's been a long and winding road. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do all the different ones. We can. Uh, but uh, thank you, my friend, for this. Thank you. And thank you for uh, for listening. Any final thing you want to say? I'll, I'll throw the last word out to you. One final thank you, then. A thank you to the Swingle Singers, whose uh, a cappella version of I Am The Walrus, uh, it's on their album, Ticket to Ride, that came out in 2002. Uh, I think it's still out there. It's still available to buy. If you enjoy their version of I Am The Walrus, you'll enjoy their other songs on there. So a big thank you to them, because we've been using their song for every show so far. So we'll let them swingle out. Do, 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 do.